0: Should we do the thing? Yep. I'm going to sing a song that everybody hates to start it. That's the proper way to start anything. Right? Right? People know this. People love it in Minnesota. That's I'm, so why I'm the bad guy. I hear that old piano from down the alley. universe to the SFBCPC that's an abbreviation for sci-fi book club podcast we're coming to you live from bone shaker books on 23rd Avenue
1: in beautiful
0: Minneapolis Minnesota we're on today's episode, we will be talking about The Handmaid's Tale written by Margaret Atwood In Earth Year 1986, I'm your host, Brent Aldrich, and uh, please help me welcome my co host, uh, coming to you via holographic projection. It's Mr. John Love. Hello. Not used to applause. I'm usually the bad guy. Hi, John. Hello. Uh, We're not ruling that out yet. Well, Uh, good. Good. Uh, All right, it's time for everyone's favorite segment John's Confession Corner. We don't, have, we don't have a theme song for that, but okay. we'll come up with one. Uh, can I get everybody just to leave the room real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll scurry out of here. Hi. Now that we're alone, universe, I have a confession to make. Welcome to John's Confession Corner. I'm your host, John Love. <sighs> I didn't finish the book. Uh, it's been a busy, bu- busy week out there in uh, space and time. I'm about fifty pages out, um, and I wanted to let you know, universe, that uh, everything I say should be taken with a grain of salt. As if you shouldn't already take that advice. Um, I- I'm I'm sorry. I, uh, I- I'll do better. Um, hey, and that's on? Can we come back in? no, just just one second. Uh, I I love I love you all. Uh, good night. All right, come on in. Okay, <laughs> that's been John's confession corner. Hey, John. Hey, there. Hey, what were you doing when we were gone? Oh, just talking about how much I loved every page of this book. Oh, cool, Including bro. the last one. Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, with that, I so Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale. Um, we previously, in our last season, read a lot of books by Margaret Atwood. Uh, one, to pick up this one. One, because I thought she was, like, the dopest writer that we read all season. And two, because... Uh, I don't know, it seems timely now that we're stuck here in 2017. we were trying to go to 2027, everyone. Uh, we crashed on White Bear Lake for about 900 years in the future. We we're trying to come back to 2027 uh, to do a big book tour. It was gonna be great. Uh, we heard bad things about 2017, uh, but we overshot it. We were drinking while driving, let's be honest. Uh, we, we spilled some beer on our controls. Do you wanna go into Brent and John's Confession Corner and <laughs> talk about that whole segment? Hi, universe. Uh, pour yourself a nice glass of Corellin's uh, Sweet Wine. It's the sweetest wine in the galaxy. Sip, and we're back. Hey, Brent. Welcome to John and Brent's Confession Corner. Hey I'm John. just going to welcome you. Oh, thanks. Um, we were drinking and driving. Don't, Don't do we're that. And driving. It's unsafe. we uh, autopilot. We thought it was going to be fine. For sure. Don't, Don't drink and drive. This, uh, That's that closes up brent and john's confession corner uh brought to you by corell sweet wine the highest abv wine in the galaxy (laughs) sip but not while driving and we're back so uh anyway i'm I'm curious first of all we've got a bunch of folks join us who uh i'm fully prepared to bring everyone on microphone by the end of this um i'm curious though first of all uh so the handmaid's tale are there folks in this audience who have read this book by applause (laughs) It's an audio podcast. Awesome. He wish you just counted hands. (laughs) A one? A two? Great. Um, That's awesome. Um, Here's the thing any of you who feel like you have a passable knowledge about this book uh, and would like to be in on this discussion uh, from the get go, uh, scoot your chairs closer to this table because I uh, am going to rely on many of you a lot throughout this. If you do not scoot your chairs further away from the desk, uh, it's fine. It's fine. You don't have to do any of that. Uh, if I, I am going to bring our friend Amy up because I know that you've read it within the last five hours, yeah. perhaps. This is our friend Amy of uh, bullfrog hunting fame.
2: Yeah. It's a title
3: I don't take lightly. <laughs> uh,
0: for anyone who missed it, uh, bullfrogs are overrunning the beautiful state of Arizona. They are. Last week we hunted some. Uh, As you should. You read this. You read this today. Mm-hmm. Have you read it previously?
3: I've not. Although I did read her other book, Alias Grace.
0: What's that one about? Abortion. <laughs> Um. Well, should we do as is tradition and read the last page of the book? Yeah. yeah. Let's spoil this book. Yeah. Um, oh, this page! I remember it like it was today. Uh, should we just read the last two sentences? Yeah, yeah, yeah last two sentences per you, usual. Okay. Uh, audiobook. Applause. Are there any questions? And that's been the last uh, two sentences of this book.
4: Mm-hmm. Yay! Sure.
0: Sure. Oh, man, that was such a surprise ending. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, the, th- the applause thing really got me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I would like to bring um, so Amy on this. Anyone else, obviously, is welcome to just scream out opinions at any point because I feel like that's valid and we're all friends here and it's a safe space. Uh, Amy, here's your uh, a weapon for the evening. Anytime uh, one of the two of us starts to mansplain this book, you're allowed to uh, pull the trigger, and we will all stop. <laughs> and you're allowed to just run the podcast at that point, okay? I
3: feel powerful. Okay, good. Yeah.
0: good. It's, I think it's important. <laughs> so anyway, um, you know, we read, John and I read last season, uh, Margaret Atwood's Mad Adam trilogy, which is Orcs and Crake, The Year of the Flood, and Mad Adam. Um, I thought they were the best books that we read in all of, like, we read, like, 20 or so books out of a whole season. at the end, those were by far my favorites. I mean, like, just in terms of her as a writer, for starters, like I thought was um, kind of blew everyone else out of the water. Um, You know, Vonnegut might have been up there pretty high, too, in terms of just, like, being a writer. But um, I I, I see your finger on the trigger. It's (laughs) itchy. I am itchy, (laughs) yeah. Yeah? Well, it seems like part of the reason why we might have... Um, reacted so strongly to her books was because she doesn't even really claim the science fiction uh, moniker, I guess. She claims herself to be a um, speculative fiction writer, meaning everything that she's writing about is technology that already exists, and then she kind of projects that shortly into the future. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, they were the most kind of prescient and realistic books uh, of them all, which we know because we're from the future. So, um, so I don't know, that, that might be why they, they resonate so strongly um, there were, I mean, these books are all, always still funny a, a lot of times But um, the, the concepts and, and the strength of the writing um, really, you know, it holds true like these, these are the tomes that we can judge, like history books in a lot of ways sometimes mm-hmm. so, And that's how we always judge the books, <laughs> as history books John, do you, to, um, do you want to do a five-word synopsis of this book? Boy, do I, Okay, and I'm the most qualified one here. Um, everybody's favorite segment, five-word synopsis, where we give a five-word synopsis of the book for anyone who hasn't read it, maybe. And as is tradition, we have a 25-word theme song sure. as I come up with five words to to be the synopsis of this book. Sure. 25. All right. 25-word theme song. Okay. I'll count. Willie, that would help a lot. Will you yep. do it on your fingers, please? Sure. Okay. It's everybody's favorite time. John's gonna make words that rhyme. I'm trying to stop making that rhyme because it's really easy. Uh, Anybody outside today? Breezy. You don't have to applaud that. That was not a good theme song. So, John, what's your five-word synopsis? Oh, oh boy. With this book. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Uh,
4: uh, yeah. uh, uh, what? Uh, what the? Uh, what's
0: I, ha- what's that? What's What the? What's happening? I can help. Hey, oh my Ray? Ray! Ray, where'd you where'd you tumble out of?
1: I I've just been back here behind the bookcase the whole time.
0: Oh my goodness! Universe, we have a stowaway. You're like n- never mind. That's a that's a book reference, but it's kind of a weird one. Go for it Indian in Let's the cupboard <laughs> Do you remember that book? Yeah. It seems problematic in retrospect <laughs> And that's been everyone's favorite segment It's problematic in retrospect
1: I, I was definitely an unintentional stowaway So I just want to make that clear
0: uh, Do tell
1: Well, I was obviously in the escape pod looking for the Margaret Atwood book Handmaid's Tale when all of a sudden the escape pod left the ship and I
3: was
0: in it. Ray, last we saw you, you were going back to uh, the furthest reaches of our ship 900 years in the future uh, to your cocoon room to hibernate, I thought.
1: Yeah, and I did some hibernation and when I woke up, I really, really wanted to read The Handmaid's Tale.
0: You do look a lot older. Thank you. That's what the cocoon. Me. Yes. Oh, that's what the cocoon. That's what the cocoon does. Oh wait! For. Wait! What the? What
5: the? I hear oh, desserts. what's this? Yeah, Who's I'm, this? I'm here too. Wait! What the? Tiny Dyson? Yes, it's me. I was eating a sandwich the whole time.
0: <laughs> Tiny Dyson, <laughs> our friend who can shrink down to the size of a human sandwich? You almost ate me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just a regular juicy Lucy. <laughs> He came riding that wave of, wave of cheese at the opposite end. Oh my gosh. Anyway, I'm here too. Dyson. Yes. Dyson, Ray, the game's all together. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. It seems like Dyson is mad about something that I that seemed offensive, but actually wasn't. So apparently, he's not a fan of the podcast and doesn't listen to it. He's just on it a lot. Yes. So our friend Ray here, for all those confused. Has been on all the previous Margaret Atwood book episodes, so the entire Matt Adam trilogy. She's from the planet... Inglenook. Right. uh, And has been hibernating in our cocoon room uh, in between episodes that she's on. And she uses that cocoon to age.
1: Right, so I can look more dignified and obviously gain experience in the
0: sure. pod. So. It's a big deal on Inglenook. In- I'm it's told. It's
1: a big deal. Mm-hmm.
0: We did, um, your, your mom did reach out to us finally. Uh, <laughs>
1: How is Judy?
0: <laughs> Concerned. Well. <laughs> and younger than you. <laughs> at this point. But uh, she's doing great. Good. Yeah. She's a great gal. Love her. Uh, Judy. Judy. Alright, so Anyways, it's five-word so synopsis. Do, I have five-word five word synopsis? <laughs> oh my god, okay. That's the segment we're in.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. So you want to count me, so I make sure I don't go over this time. Last time I think I went over.
0: Yep, begin. One.
1: Enslavement. Two. Pro- <laughs> procreation. i awesome. Lust. Power. Love. And writing these
0: down. <laughs> and that's been five word synopsis. Could you synopsis that synopsis, Ray? Uh,
1: Yeah, do we just go word by we,
0: word? We make it shorter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. say half of each. Pick word. one word
1: <laughs> mint. Ray. Us. Uh, oh. uh.
4: <laughs> Yay!
0: And that's been one syllable from every word of the five-word synopsis, your favorite segment. John, do you want to do the next segment, which is uh, the, like, exegesis of the five-word synopsis? Yeah, I'm obviously the most qualified one okay. to talk to do that. Um, all right, here we go. Enslavement. In this book, there are the... Well, man, stuff... Or-
1: there's both the physical and mental. And we could throw over. I think you so should do it. Social. We could throw
0: it over to Amy, if you feel like you're qualified to uh, mm-hmm. talk about these five-word synopsis. We've got it Can right you here. expound yeah. upon those five words? Uh, uh, I mean, I I'm totally comfortable mentioned? doing it, but... Uh, enslavement. I'll say pro- the first three. Okay, Procreation and lust. We'll let John take the last two. Yeah, yeah. that
4: sounds yeah. right. That
5: sounds
3: All right, so enslavement is both a very literal enslavement Inside a compound, barbed wire, classic prison, right down to the uniformity of the cells and the lack of anything to kill yourself with. Um, so yeah, that's both a literal sense and a sort of figurative sense of being trapped inside of a body and that being a problem, I think. And, yeah. and a situation, I guess. Um, the next one was what? Yeah. Procreation. Procreation. Okay, so a large part of this book centers around procreation or lack thereof. Um, being a fundamental... Hmm. I'm not going to say right, because that doesn't feel right. Um, So procreation has rapidly diminished due to toxins and things in the atmosphere and has now become a duty rather than an option, um, which is sort of both a future idea and a very past idea where like there wasn't really an option whether you got to have kids or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But in the future, it's considered a privilege to have a child in some ways, and a duty to bear a child if you can, and others. So, very much a, a warped idea. And the last one was lust. And that very much ties into sort of all of the, the ideas of procreation versus lust, I guess. This sort of like dichotomy of reasons that you would want to have sex, and very much divorcing the two ideas, which I thought was interesting. But there is a very, a pattern of the only type of intimacy being allowed between male and woman in this being either procreation or last and never both. So that's kind of the synopsis I have.
0: Thank you. Good. Very good. Very good. Uh, so I've got the, the last, last two. two. <laughs> All right. Um so power. Let's go to good old page two fifteen in the paperback copy. It's 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 not worth it. It's not worth going there. <laughs> Sorry Uh, So just to be clear to everyone who's new And maybe hasn't listened to the podcast I am something of a bigot against uh, creatures that have more or less than two legs So I'm coming clean right now So I think, uh, you know, the power that people have in this They just don't realize Because they all have two legs (laughs) Where's this going? And therefore, they should use their power For those of you who don't know as well Thank you I have seven legs I love them. Great. He's not a good guy. (laughs) Neither am I. Uh, So I'm just going to go to my favorite quote of the book, which seems to be about power. Uh, All right. Here we go. Okay. So will will Serena Joy talk to me like that if I do as she wants? Agreed to do it right away. Really, she didn't care. Anything with two legs and a good you-know-what was fine with her. Uh, So in this... (laughs) In this section, uh, they talk about the power of having two legs and how that's really the only thing that you need to procreate in the future. (laughs) All right. I don't know what happens after the the gun goes off. I think it it goes back to you, Amy. All right. Signal
3: my displeasure. Yeah.
0: Oh. Doesn't seem
3: like legs are really what people are talking about here.
0: Well, like I said, I'm the most qualified one, so I'm gonna... uh, Sorry that I'm project explaining to you. I'm a holographic projection, by the way, if you guys didn't know that. Uh, I feel like somebody else should do this. And what's that last word, Ray? Love. 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 Love.
1: Which I don't know, John John Love seems very capable of discussing. Good point. I mean... It is isn't your name.
0: Okay. (laughs) Uh, back to me. (laughs) Alrighty then. So, another audiobook. Uh this is a section that I noted for having the word love in it. So, here we go. I think last time actually we came to the conclusion of the previous book and A Wrinkle in Time. I, yeah, The a Wrinkle in Time and I think a lot of the books that we've uh dealt with so far, the primary human characteristic that we really singled out that in a lot of the times saved Whatever, well, the human race, um, against all odds or against some sort of alien force that they couldn't overcome otherwise, really love itself was the thing that, um, you know, solidified the, the human race, made us able to uh, combat powers which were beyond our means and understanding. Uh, I'm assuming that that's what the end of this book was about. Oh, and, and by assume I mean I know that's exactly what it was about. Um so here's an audiobook that takes place in in this book where after these handmaids and actually all women in this book were kind of stripped of all of their rights uh so let's go let's go to this so audiobook so now tell me you're an intelligent person. I like to hear what you think. what did we overlook that's coming from no audiobook that's coming from the commander so the the male head of the household who essentially the main protagonist in this book is the concubine of more or less so he asks her that and she says love i said love said the commander what kind of love falling in love i said the commander looked at me with his candid boy eyes oh yes he said i've read the magazines that's what they were pushing wasn't it but look at the stats my dear was it really worth it falling in love arranged marriages have always worked out just as well if not better Uh, And I do think that there is a strong undercurrent of love being a means of resistance against uh, sort of, I don't know, not not necessarily insurmountable odds, but if the other person's holding all the cards, you can still have uh, love that, I don't know, is your one respite against all of these forces, more or less. Mm -hmm. So you can hold out, you can have love, you can experience love. Uh, and even if the other person kills you, uh, does all these kind of horrendous things to you, you can still, I don't know, have that to hold on to. You
3: sure you're not thinking of Stockholm
0: Syndrome? Uh, yep, I love Sweden. Let's talk about Sweden. <laughs> it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Let's talk about Sweden. Hey, Ray, what do you think about Sweden?
6: Actually,
1: I kind of want to change my last word of the synopsis at this point at first no uh, yeah sorry stepping out of the program Mm -hmm. for a second i i thought it was important to end with love or to make love one of the key words of this novel but now hearing you describe why love could be important i'm thinking like a better word would have been choice because i think especially if you're if you're talking about the quote from the commander as far as what did we overlook and her answer is love I think the better answer would have been choice or lack thereof. And that was the thing that they took away the most was the inability to choose from women on behalf. And then I remember there's a quote in the novel that always sticks out to me, and it was um, freedom of choice versus freedom from choice. And that's something that I still haven't been able to forget. And I, yeah, I'm thinking that now love was the wrong word. I picked it initially because I thought the reason she was saved had something to do with Nick maybe feeling love or some kind of compassion or something and saving her that way. If that's how it ended up, we don't really know how it ends. But no, I'm thinking love was the wrong word to use. As far as a, an accurate synopsis of this book, I think choice would have been a better word. Um,
3: can, can I jump in there a little yeah, bit? So yeah. it's like beyond just choice. I think the word that for me kept coming up, even if it wasn't physically said, was autonomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so beyond just choice, like choice about your physical body and about your own thoughts and all of those things and it's sort of it, it references the whole idea of autonomy versus safety and it comes up again and again and the freedom to and freedom from was this specific instance where I thought it was you decide if you want autonomy or safety right yeah. safety it can't see quotes but you know I'm putting air quotes up here vicious air quotes right. yeah
0: That's how we do it
5: okay also to jump on that I came from the country China okay I'm really familiar with dictatorship and uh and uh, um, human rights kind of thing, like China been having this um, one child policy for the for the forty years, you know. Until last year, they kind of like killed the rule. But uh, yeah, everyone is like having sex and make babies right now. But but like we have this bad policy for like forty years, and we we don't really have the choice to make like you know have two babies. You know, it's our bodies.
4: So. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you talk about how that? Do you want to say more about that? I mean, like what? No, months? I'm done. Okay, thanks, <laughs> thanks, Dyson.
3: I was gonna jump in about IUDs actually, so we're just gonna get real, real intense here. Please do. Uh, the
0: best case scenario is I shut up from now on and yeah. you guys run the show.
3: So feel free to tell me if I'm being wrong here, because this is something that I've read and I don't know as much about China, but I know in China getting an IUD is very standard, um, and it was a way, and many people resented it. If they're painful, they can cause damage to your uterus, and lots of complications, especially at the beginning. Um, and now all of a sudden they're saying, you can take them out, and people resent that change as well. That, mm. You know, all of a sudden it's fine. Um, but for people I know in America, the advent and popularity of IUDs has had the opposite effect. That all of a sudden they've stopped having to worry if they're pregnant all the time. Yeah. Um, so it sort of spoke to me a little bit about the con- there, there can be sort of a context dependence mm. on this stuff. Like some of, the, some of what you see of the past world isn't good mm-hmm. in this novel. Um, Some of the freedom isn't real freedom Um, I don't know really where I'm going with this But that's very much the thought I had That something could The very same thing, depending on the context Could be used either as a tool to control Or as a tool to Mm -hmm. reduce someone else's control over you Mm -hmm.
0: Well, that that same quote Like Ray, that quote that you brought up um, I'll I'll read the exact thing Because I think it's a good one To to dive into some of this as well Um, It's on page 24 In my copy anyway But this is uh, Aunt Lydia, so you've got these aunt figures who um, uh, run the like training school, boarding school for these handmaids, Um, and she's explaining to uh, the handmaids that uh, talking about the past, how it used to be, which is maybe your time in 2017, and this near you know near future about how it is in this novel. She says there's more than one kind of freedom freedom to and freedom from in the days of anarchy, it was freedom to. Now you're begin being given freedom from. And so that, that difference of like, well, the, I, I made a list of a few different quotes that I thought I put in this category of called like, it's for your own good, you know? Um, so I included this one in that category of like, Oh no, this is like, this is for you. Like this is really for your own good. Right. Um, there, there's a few other things there, There's one later on in the book, Again, talking about this transition in the book from the way things used to be to how they are under this rule, um, and this this is one that it's it's a little bit different just in terms of it's not exactly the uh, um, it's not coming down just on women, but it talks about there's this overthrow in some of the government, and then this quote: "Newspapers were censored and some were closed down for security reasons." They said the road the roadblocks began to appear and identipasses everyone approved of that since it was obvious you couldn't be too careful and i think that that's like some of the circular reasoning um or like the 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 circular logic when it comes to like safety right or or like what's a threat um well why is it a threat because we put roadblocks up um therefore there is a threat Or like i don't know we built a wall let's say Mm -hmm. um like so maybe there wasn't any real threat but all of a sudden there becomes a perceived one because we've like we've said we built a wall and so there's you we've know told
1: you, you need to be protected yeah. even if you don't know what it's from and you're not yes. choosing to be protected from it once we've told you you have to be protected then
0: yeah yeah it seems so circular that the interesting know.
1: thing about this book is it was written in 1986 right and we've only been on Earth for like what the last four weeks mm-hmm. in 2017, but it seems so. You've been here the whole rel- time. Well, yeah. I told you I was on the pod when it left uh, the escape. And
0: behind the, I'm on the yeah, bookshelf. Did you stay behind the bookshelf until today?
1: No, I was actually in the escape pod underneath the uh, seat. Oh, you seats. can lift it up, and very yeah, good. It, was, it was very comfy and warm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I know we've only been here for four weeks, but it seems incredibly relevant to what's going on right now, Earth Year 2017. Um, And I think it's because it goes back to that question of choice from or choice of, and what is better for individuals. Is it better to have some overreaching government or figure that's making choices for you to protect you, or is it better to have? The autonomy to make that choice on your own. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, in one respect, you have the right to weigh and balance the risks and make the decision. And in the other respect, somebody else is weighing that for you. And and maybe it's not beneficial to you, it's just beneficial for society as a whole, which, in this book, because we've seen everything that's going on with um, the inability to bear children, right? That's a big deal. They decide, well, this is better for all women. We're going to take away your right to make a choice because it's better for society for you to just bear children. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be your new, not only duty, but if you don't do it, you're gone. Mm -hmm. You have until the age that you can bear children. And then if you're not bearing them anymore, you're either going to become an aunt or you're going to go to a place where you're cleaning up waste on the side of the street. Because that's your only, it's the only thing you have that is useful to, to society at this point
0: that's been the exegesis of the five-word synopsis. Oh, okay. oh, awesome. Very good. That's longer than that segment usually lasts, because we usually have no content. We have a lot of smart people up here tonight.
3: <laughs>
0: like it. Yeah, I mean, you, here's wow. the thing. you can You can yeah. take this Just podcast the by the handle and drive it, drive it.
3: Okay.
4: or
0: I can ask some questions about Minnesota, because people like that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I wanted to like jump back in just for do. a second. Please do. Open um, back up. With two things. One, there's that quote, and I didn't mark it because whatever. It's not my podcast. Um, about better doesn't mean better for everyone, and it's the co- quote that they chose to use for the show as well, which I thought was very interesting. If you've watched the teaser trailer, the, sh-
0: the original series coming soon on Hulu.
3: Yes, I have not seen it. the show. not out yet, but I've watched the teaser trailer, and that is the quote that they pulled.
0: Um, We've seen it, and it's great.
3: Yeah. Good, good to know. I'll, I'll start watching. For sure. Uh, the other thing I was wondering is, what if there is a real threat? So I'm thinking about the real list that women make, and it references these in the book, too. Don't go out at night. Don't wear your hair in a ponytail, because apparently that's easier to grab. How to get out of zip ties. I'm sure you've seen all of these things. And so there there is a real-life yeah, threat, yeah, yeah. but it's also a way to restrict freedom. And, and so there, I think it's a little too simple, maybe, to to make it about autonomy or safety that at some point... You have to also address why there's a threat, I guess? Right. There's a threat, but
1: are we addressing it in the right way? I mean, it's taking away everything they take away in this book. Is
3: that how you get at it? Or is it controlling the threat itself, which is
1: coming from a different place?
3: Right. And even in the book, the the idea behind those rules was so that women would not be victims. And then now they're just in a new trying to read men to not become a victim situation. So it's sort of a a new set of rules with the same concept.
1: Yeah. And I do think the more that you get to know the commander and hear him kind of explain why. I mean, obviously, and you see this in the very, very last chapter, right? The last chapter of the novel, for those that haven't read yet, is um, a historical look at the novel um, from the perspective of, we discovered these tapes, and these tapes were uh, created during the time period. And we're looking back on it, and it's coming from um, people that are at this. conference and they're looking back on the time period and talking about it and they're talking specifically about the commander and I think it's pretty obvious he was in a think tank he was responsible even for the way that things turned out I mean, he was one of the people that decided this is something we have to do to save society or save our culture or whatever he was one making these decisions we don't know that at the time when we're listening to him ask questions to her specifically about, well, we we thought it would be best if we did this because of this reason, this reason, and this reason. Later, we learned he probably was actually making those decisions to say, you know, it's better for everyone if we take away the right to choose or the right to make these decisions. Mm-hmm. It's safer for everyone. It's safer for women. It's safer for men. This is how we can get society back on track. But I don't know. If there's that's that's the question. I think it comes back to time and time and again. Is it more important? Of freedom of choice versus freedom from choice.
0: Mm-hmm. You took the words right out of my mouth.
1: How'd you like that last chapter?
0: Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Like you said you nailed it. it was just exactly what I was going to say, word for word. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're reading off my transcript over here. Uh-huh. <laughs> just to step back from the text a little bit as well. You know, this is um, just to talk about how she composes this story as well. You know, it's, it's mostly told from this first-person perspective from a character whose name you don't even learn. For a while, yeah. um, and then because I'm a dummy, it took me until page 275 to realize that uh, all these women are named like of Charles, of uh, Daryl, of, of Fred. Fred. I was like, oh, it's like uh, Johnson, yeah, Jacobson. It's a complete like uh, patriarchy. Um, but um, so it's it's told from this perspective of this woman but it breaks in time you know in, in a lot of ways and so this very last chapter um, you know you get to it and um, I actually it, it looks like an after word that might not you know be part of the narrative and so I got to it closed the book looked back at the table of contents to see like do I need to read this is it you know like was it written later by somebody else uh, so Margaret Atwood wrote it uh, it's part of the story still but it's set maybe several hundred years after twenty seventy
1: nine, is that right?
0: Uh there is a date in it, yeah. yeah up there. And um and so it's these uh, scholars who have found these recordings called the Handmaid's Tale or they dubbed it the Handmaid's Tale, and they're reflecting back on this period in history which uh failed and and researching it, you know, as academics. So there's also though there is a, this whole build up throughout the entire narrative where you've got this first person narrator Addressing a reader or, you know, maybe a listener, like someone else who might read this story in the future. Mm -hmm. And um and there were times through that where she she breaks the linear narrative completely and like talks directly to you, the reader. Um there's there's a few of those times, and there's a book we read previously that how to live safely in a science fictional universe, which just in terms of like the structure of the story, I actually thought was weirdly similar in terms of like breaking and addressing the reader. Um, I say all that to get back into what you guys were actually just talking about. Um, there is a page at the very start of chapter twenty-three on page one hundred and thirty-four. Um, the narrator, Offred, or I don't know how you'd actually pronounce it if you made it into a name, but um, it starts with her explaining, "This is a reconstruction. It's in my head. I'm um, I'm telling the story," and then uh, she says. If you happen to be a man sometime in the future and you've made it this far, uh, please remember you will never be subjected to the temptation or feeling. You must forgive a man as a woman. And I think that the question of power that we were just talking about, I think that this line in it is um, where she goes to, um, says that forgiveness too is a power. And, um, and so this idea that um, to, to be forgiven... Um, or the ability to be forgiven, so like, um, you know, I, th- I think that there is this idea embedded in this that these men, the men in the narrative, and the men in the world prior to that, um, can do whatever we want and be forgiven, and for it to be endearing in a way. I mean, I think let's look at your uh movie stars of 2017, you know, I think that, um you look at, uh, I don't know, who's really screwed up, but we're like, oh, Mel Gibson. Oh, Charlie Sheen. Oh, he messed up. Um, but, um, but then, like, take any comparable female celebrity and, um, I mean, think about how they get dragged under the bus. So that I think that the fact that, like, able to forgive those guys in a way, I mean, is, a, is an amount of power.
3: I think it ties into the idea of shaming. So yeah. there's a book called "So You've Been Publicly Shamed," and it huh. seems like talks to a bunch of people whose lives have been ruined. And the one person whose life wasn't ruined was a man accused of a sex scandal, and he was huh. just pretty much forgiven. Look at Anthony Weiner. Look got at reelected. You, look at your president. Look at our president. Yeah. I also <laughs> kind of wanted
0: to go <laughs> like off-register. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you ended in this time. Sophia.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. We're trying to get out of it.
3: I also wanted to see if anyone noticed in the last section how many liberties were taken with her words. It says that they put them in the order that they wanted and tried not to editorialize. Um, and oh, it's two male sure. professors yeah. mansplaining a woman's story and whether it's real
0: or not. Did Did the woman introduce the guy at, at that last chapter? I can't. Yes. Recall. Yeah, Marianne. Yes. Yep. Okay.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone in academia with a lot of old men. Yeah, and some of his jokes are actually pretty. Like this
1: is twenty or twenty one ninety five. Right. You thought they'd be yeah. a little bit more progressive at that point, but apparently
3: no. Yeah. Some yeah. of the same old jokes sure. that and and like the idea of forgiveness is really what brought me there. Is that mm-hmm. they, he says, you know, such judgments are culture specific. We can't judge this society too harshly.
1: Right. Which actually it's interesting because in the novel. The, character, the main character that's telling the story does that to the commander over and over again, right? So she's in this situation where she's living in a house and her only job is to make a baby for him. She lives in her room all day. Sometimes she gets to go to the store with another woman because you can't go anywhere alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually he decides, well... I want to play Scrabble with you. So he decides that he's, she's going to be called into his room during the nighttime, which is both very, very risky for her. I mean, if she gets caught, yeah. she'll probably be executed. But he wants to play a board game with her, and he's the commander. So he calls her into the room, and she comes every night. And he says things that are always, um, he knows. He's like a kid trying to get away with something, where he knows what he's doing mm-hmm. is putting her in risk. But it's exciting for him, and that's really all that matters. Um, he's also had other hands maids, handmaids that have lived in the house before. And obviously we, la- we learn later that those turned out very wrong. The last handmaid that lived in the house committed suicide. Um, so he knows the effect that it could have on these potential women, girls. Um, but I thought that was what, what was most interesting to me is her, the handmaid that's telling the story every time that she's in the studi- studio with him or his um, room playing Scrabble with him. He'll say certain things and it'll make her angry or it'll make her want to shout or to shake him and say, do you realize what you're saying? Do you realize what the position I'm in? Mm -hmm. And um, immediately after she has those thoughts, she has a moment of shame or of guilt or of, okay, I I shouldn't have said that. He doesn't mean it that way. Or he's not really thinking about it this way. He's thinking about it. And so forgiveness, I thought, came up time and time again because she would say things. She would be angry as anybody in her position would be. And immediately after having that feeling, she would try to to take it back. All and this is all going on internally, but she would want to say, I shouldn't feel that way. I'm not thinking about him. You know, he's under all the stress or he's dealing with it this way. I mean, that's that's a very strange thing to think of the individual that's in this situation that's going through all of this and her reaction after she has these internal feelings that she's completely justified for having, her reaction is, Whoa, well, actually, he didn't mean it that way, or he's not really thinking about it from my perspective. And it was the kind of, a, the, again, a forgiveness, uh, well, I should forgive him. He doesn't really mean it that way. And that happened time and time again.
3: It, it felt very much like the little slideshow about the cycle of abuse. I had to, well, it was probably good that we sat through that in my school. Um, but there's also an idea of maybe, like, deserving throughout the novel, too, that the women feel as though they've deserved whatever comes to them, that the woman that had the child that didn't work out, it was deserved because it was from a doctor and that when they had things taken away from them, somehow it was their fault. It's, in a, in a current climate with a lot of gaslighting, it's very um, on point.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I think you should talk a little bit, too, about
1: the way Margaret Atwood set up the birthing sessions. Because this was really yeah, interesting, interesting, especially before you get to know the commander sure. personally, is that this obviously is a struggle for the men in this society as well, because... You have these men that can't bear children. So something's happened. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe they're sterile. Maybe um, the woman herself can't bear children, the wife. Um, but for whatever reason, they're at a certain point in society where once they are not having children, they decide you deserve a housemaid, someone that can bear you a child. So a woman, come, a girl comes in that can bear the child. And then the birthing situations, which is really crazy, right? So yeah. you first imagine, because you don't get to this point until later on in the book. But you first imagine, or at least I imagined, you have this girl that comes in, she goes back with a the husband, they do the thing, and you see if a baby's born. But it's it's much more uh, sacramental, I guess, where, you know, you have so... Does anybody else want to describe it besides... I'll, you know, yeah, take sure. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll take the bait.
0: Go for it. Uh, I mean, I can just read it, or I can try to describe it. I think but... it's
1: important for the audience, because okay. it's it's... In Different that, than you might imagine. Well, in that
0: case, I'll audio. Do you want me to give you... Oh, no. I was going to say, you should just describe it in your own words, and I'll give sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> you've done this previously. And it always works. People, the people love it. Yeah, 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 Okay. So you've got a handmaid, and you've got... Um, Hand yeah, sounds. Yeah, ready. <laughs> and you've got the commander. Worf. And you've got Serena Joy, the commander's wife. And the wife is also a role. So you've got a commander, which is a role. The wife, which is a role. The handmaid, which is a role. Off-red. The handmaid, Off-red, is positioned between the wife's legs. Uh, they're holding hands. What uh, sound effect? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, where, are the, where are the sound effects? I don't know. It's probably just like. Uh, <laughs> uh, just like getting into position. It hurts. Yeah. She says it All hurts right. because she's holding, yeah. like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, the wife's Selena Joy. Uh, her her rings are like cut into her hands, and she's like this. Why don't John? You know me, me, and you and Dyson could just act this out. I mean, that might
2: that might actually be the way to do it. And
0: this is going to be the visual bits of right. the week on an audio format. Well, you just okay.
1: have to describe it for Okay,
0: okay. And uh, the handmaids uh, between the wives' uh, uh, two legs. Which one do you want to be, Dyson? I don't know. You haven't read I don't this. Which who do sure you want on. to be?
5: I don't want to be part of this.
0: That's why we're doing it. I'm just, I'm just looking around. I'm just looking around. I'm seeing there's a few of us who maybe identify as male, so we're gonna do this. And, uh, okay. Who do you want to be? Uh, spectator. Nope. Doesn't count. doesn't count. You don't know, have to make
3: choices in this society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank
0: you. you. Be your wife. You're wife. Really you're already standing. Important. Okay, you're gonna be the wife <laughs> <laughs> okay, well what that's you so I'm what, down below what, yeah, yeah, yeah. What I do. you're the wife you just get to like hang blanket. out you get to like it's sit like, there I apologize for I, I didn't yeah, know yeah, I yeah. was going to oh, get to this yeah, yeah, level yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting back down okay so Dyson you're the wife I'm sitting back so you're going to be um, who's my okay. husband? me okay okay awesome. oh, you're yeah. off-red great I'm sorry I didn't mean to I'm on a person on my leg okay so John is is the handmaid okay John is okay. off, red. Okay.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is not
0: supposed to be funny, but it's kind of funny. Okay. Dude, sir,
5: she
1: it. thinks it's yeah. funny at the time, too. Okay. Yeah, and I so, mean, it's so surreal, right? And I mean, can so I'm you the imagine? commander.
0: Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> all that I want is a child. Wow, marry you. This is my choice. You can't have a child. You can't have a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my fault. There's a blanket. Yeah, you
1: can't see. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And everyone's wearing okay. all their clothes. There's the a right blanket. Left. Yeah, yeah.
0: You guys are fully clothed. Well, you're halfway clothed.
4: Hold my hands. Oh, no, 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 no.
0: Okay. So the wife is holding the hands of the handmaid. Yes. There's a blanket drawn so that yeah, the handmaid cannot see the face of the commander. Uh, I'm in here. I'm like. Right? What's up? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> What
0: else is going on? My job, as Mary said, is fucking. That is it. That is the only task here. Uh, but I'm like, let's see. Uh, <laughs> Should people get t- wages? T- 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 uh, I like horses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did I mean, leave the stove on? <laughs> I don't yeah, know. It's can can to oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did I leave my car running? There a little sugar. How are the sports doing? Uh, there's still football. And uh, there's still football. It's called out. And we go into sports corner. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it happens. <laughs> Everyone's favorite segment sports corner.
3: Great job, uh, great guys. job for all of our
0: actors oh,
3: wow. as Take your level of discomfort Ooh, you Can
0: funky?
1: imagine.
0: It was just like that, but even more awkward probably Yeah, <laughs> the real thing.
1: I just think that's a point that has to be made because this wasn't Oof. a typical mistress. Situation. This was awkward for all parties involved. Thanks, this was awkward Dyson. for the husband, this was awkward for the wife, this was awkward for the handmaid, all of it was awkward. They, they tried to take all of the love out of it and you were literally just trying to make a child
3: and that was your only duty, obligation. Mm-hmm. There's that crude point at some point where someone's like, I could just give it to you in a little syringe or something. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. I thought was interesting, because like, why don't they just do that? Not to be too clinical, but you know.
0: Yeah, I mean... Margaret Atwood says, "My red skirt is hitched up to my waist. This is the Handmaid speaking, though no higher. Below it, the Commander is fucking. What he is fucking is the lower part of my body. I do not say making love because this is not what he's doing. Copulating too would be inaccurate because it would imply two people, and only one is involved. So you know,
3: uh, people haven't discovered the future."
0: Actually,
1: I think they talk about in the last chapter that in vitro was one of the options at the time that this kind of blew up, and they yeah. decided that was anti-religious, so they got rid of it. They got rid of um, surrogate mothers, because that was anti- They decided it had to be a ceremonial yeah. Science is
3: occasionally yeah. mentioned here in creepy roles, like, we decided it's Science has decided that you should sit for 10 minutes after, and it's like mm.
1: Right. So that's how they got to this this point. Is it supposed to be like the religious
3: way to do all of that? But I don't know. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Don't.
0: Yeah. There was. I mean. So what in the like days of anarchy there was. Um. It was too easy to get birth control. Uh. It was too easy to what? I mean, even in vitro. Well, there were too what? many
1: women working, and so the men didn't that's want right. to have sex or get married. Okay. That's okay. another line in the book as right. well. Yes. I remember that one because that one stood off to me. I'm like, oh, that was from the commander himself when he was explaining one of the reasons that they had to get to this process was, you know, the women decided to be working and they weren't, you know, so.
0: Well, you also have, um, and she's not a a main character by any means, but Offred, and she never actually reveals her, like, past name, but her mother is a pretty, like, strong, like, pro-women's rights uh, woman from the past, and there's this line she she comes in as like haranguing Luke, uh, mm-hmm. you know the Alfred's of previous husband. Uh, sorry, the timelines are getting confused, but and she's he's in the kitchen like cooking right because he loves cooking as a hobby. And she says something like, "You don't know how many women's bodies it took for you to be able to say like cooking is my hobby." Right. Um, and, and I think it's like the flip side of like, well, yeah, the women are working, but like. Like that's a process for them to get to that point, and it's that exact same process and that exact same um, like it, it, it's them doing that that allowed the men to say like, oh yeah, I love, I love cooking, I love. Well, and it's you know. a struggle
1: for both. I mean, I think that's something that we need to make clear is sure. that in this book, I think the men are going through the same struggles and situations that the women are when they get to this point, where obviously. They're being forced to do things that they would not choose to do if they were in a different situation. But I think you're right. You and mean Luke, like what we just said? yeah, yeah,
0: Luke we chose Luke that willfully. Yeah,
1: Luke is a really good example of that because he does like cooking. Mm-hmm. And for even you know, we're here in 2017 now, mm-hmm. but we've all read the history books. Mm-hmm. We know before 2017, before we got here, um, that wasn't men didn't always have the right to do that. You know, that wasn't always. And so I think both that's what's important is that in any individual should have the right to do what they want irrespective of what their gender is and that's something that if you're living in a society where your only role is to create children then the man's always going to be the fucker and the woman's always going to be the fucky because that's how you make children and that's all their role is going to be period if that's their job and that's something in this book that becomes very clear and that's something that takes away from both of them as individuals as people as a for us so a, as a society, if that's all you are, what's the difference, difference between you and a heifer and a steed? Bull?
3: bull? <laughs> and that's the thing. Everyone looks alike and is their role and has the same clothing. You couldn't tell one handmaid from another if you looked at them on the street. Right. And, and they, they took you on the name of Yeah, one car washer from another or whatever they were. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the men did. I didn't pay attention to them.
0: <laughs> they were all car washers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of cars in the future. It did actually mention mentioned. there were a lot of cars. Remember those a reference in the book. Love those cars. Yep, a lot love of cars. There's a ball. That's right. Great. <laughs> I'm just going to continue to not say anything. This is going much better than no, I do I think don't we should, it's
1: time to like, pull in some of the audience members, because yeah. we've been talking a lot. I don't know. I think I'm starting to sound boring to myself, so I feel like everybody else should jump in for a different... I mean, what what are things to talk about? I mean, there's a lot going on in the book. And we've hit on some of it tonight.
3: Japanese tourists. I'm not over that part. That is... Go ahead. Go bring that up. If anyone has a comment on this, there's a really interesting part, and this sort of reminds me of how people go to Gawk at like, Amish communities... Um, where Japanese tourists come and they're just shocked because like their knees are showing and they're wearing high heels, which are a little ridiculous now that I think about them. Um, <laughs>
0: high heels. Uh, I uh, I don't want to cut you off. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you want to use the camera? No. I'm sorry. no. Um, you can you come in a second. Anyway, so there's this whole thing where like people come and look at them as tourists and they're asked like they ask the women, "Are you happy?" and they say yes. Um, very much this sort of like cultural tourism that. I feel like Americans engage in all the time as well at the other end where we go and gawk at other societies. How odd and strange. They're not wearing any tops. So,
0: We've been doing that the whole time we've been here in your time. Looking at humans, earthlings, and this Yeah, That's time. people
7: from 2017. Do not know what they're doing.
0: <laughs> well, they all have two legs, which I do enjoy. Good, good job, 2017 earthlings. You're nailing it. All I was gonna say, and this is not this is why it wasn't worth it. Uh, I'm 930 years old. I've uploaded yeah. my consciousness to so many different physical forms, male, female. In the future, it's all fluid. It's, it's fluid now. You yeah. know this. Uh, that has involved some high heels, and that lasts about four hours before I felt like my whole lower half was dead and gone and i literally was was standing at the bottom of the staircase looking at the top of it like i was going to die uh to make it up that staircase and so i salute you high heels wearers because uh it kicked my butt the end
3: but did it make your butt look better because that's the point of it (laughs) is that the
0: point of it oh definitely then definitely yes of course
3: Beauty standards seem pretty similar in this book to what I was expecting. That was was interesting. But they only seem to exist for the women in the, like, weird whorehouse orgy.
0: The club?
1: The club. Right, because the handmaids, um, for everybody else watching, listening, um, the handmaids actually were not supposed to wear makeup. They had to keep their hair tied back. They weren't allowed to shave their legs. They weren't allowed to do anything cosmetic because, again, their only role was to be a vessel to have a child. So they weren't supposed to be sexual in any sense. That's why when they had, um, when they were conceiving, or er, they would have the
3: blanket pulled up over the, the top half of the body. There wasn't supposed to be anything. Fun, fun fact, they used to actually literally say the phrase lift their skirts when they talked about people having sex in the old days. So, there you go.
0: What there are some go. other euphemisms for sex? <laughs>
3: this is a segment now? Yeah,
0: everybody's favorite segment. Let's you us familiar- the audience for this one. <laughs> you guys can all Just in. shout them out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can you say that into the microphone?
0: Yeah. Okay, here you go.
3: <laughs> Beast with two bass.
0: Yep. The uh, horizontal tango. Bumping uglies. <laughs>
1: <laughs> knocking goats, yeah, that's a good one.
0: I thought you think said knocking goats. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, sorry. I, I I spoke over that one. I'm gonna fire the mansplaining gun on myself. Can you can you can you repeat that?
7: Giving your marital due.
0: <laughs> I don't think we could go like better or worse than that. That's been everybody's How favorite you? segment. You been business for sex.
1: Okay, I have – there was a part in the book that stood out to me, and I kind of want to talk about that really briefly. Um, Okay, so there's a situation in this book where she's recalling back when this whole – when everything started to happen, everything started to change. Before, everything was pretty traditional, I would say, 2017. It was continuing on the way things always had. Um, The handmaid at the time, she was just working at – what was it? She was a – At a company where she was basically entering data, to database, that was her job. Um, The boss comes in one day, tells all the women they're fired. Some of them are like, well, you can't do that. You can't fire us without a reason. They're crying. Some of them have just bought houses or cars or things of significant value. They don't want to lose their job. And the boss, um, he's very antsy. He's walking back and forth. He says, "I, I have no control over this. It's against the law. You have to leave. It's illegal. You can't work here. There's two men with handguns outside the door, pacing back and forth. So um, our main character leaves. She goes home, finds out that on that day, all women no longer allowed to work. It's illegal for women to work. Also on that same day, their bank accounts are frozen. Any money they have cannot be spent. She tries to buy cigarettes um, at a store, and her debit card is no good. It's not working. Um, she goes home, she has nothing, I mean, there's nothing she can do about it at the time. Her husband comes home later, she's having, this is what stood out to me the most, she's having a conversation with her husband, Nick, or not Nick, Nick is later <laughs> on, the Luke. yeah, Luke, sorry, wrong one. She's having a conversation with Luke, and he's patting her on the back and saying, that's okay, I can spend your money for you, like, your property's okay as long as you're with me, I have control over that, we'll be okay, I will protect you. I will care for you I will you know all the things you want to hear from someone except no recognition that she's lost her job and that now all of her stuff is his stuff and that now and I think it was probably coming from a good place except it was so incredibly terrifying when I was reading this book right yeah because
3: paranoid about it
1: yeah because at this point in the book unless you have a man even if okay so you're a single woman You're a woman that doesn't, isn't interested in any relationship with anyone, period. You're a woman that's not interested in a relationship with a man. Um, Or, I don't know, you're a woman that's maybe in a relationship, but you don't want the man to have any control over your money because you're not, in in either respect, all of them at this point have been cut off because at this point women are not allowed to own property or hold money or spend money in any respect. Like, you hope that you have a boyfriend on any level or something that they can all of a sudden keep you alive and keep you surviving. And that's something that Luke tells her is, it's okay, yeah. I'll take care of you. I can – and there's no recognition of, holy shit, I've just lost absolutely everything that's – and I think right. any man in that situation would feel the same way. That's kind of what I was
3: – I think the nice men are almost the most concerning part of this book, if that makes sense, the, the, the men that are being kind – but it's a kindness that doesn't acknowledge what's going on it's sort of an ignorant kindness or patronizing kindness and there's there's also the idea and like I'm going to tie this back again to like the sort of control or abuse idea that finances is one of the first ways that people make it so that you can't leave right so she did love luke and that's great But what if she decided she didn't love Luke anymore, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what if she'd wanted to leave him for some other dude or leave him for a woman or whatever? Just, you know, be by herself, do her single thing. And, like, all of a sudden, all of those options are taken away. And also, it's, you can't, I don't think you can have love in a situation like that. Because because, the choice is taken
1: away. Because you're not making a choice based on love, you're making a choice based on survival. And that's
3: why I would argue that I don't think there's any case of love in this book. And I have enormous respect for survival and for mutual, occasional compassion, but I don't think it's love. And I don't see it anywhere in here. Mm-hmm. Nick does save her at the end, though.
1: That's, That's the only reason it was thrown in, is I'm not, not quite sure yet.
3: Maybe. Or maybe a damned her. We don't know.
1: We don't know. Could but equally she... well just
3: send her to a place to die. That's true. I guess we don't know. But the tapes are there. True. Um, but there's also the implication that he saved her for his own skin. Yeah. Right, to some extent, that if she got caught, she would rat him out, and he was someone powerful. Right. Yeah, we don't really know what happened. Right. I, I, I guess, to me, that almost kind of annoyed me, too, at the end, that Nick is the one that saved her, that there's this whole idea of the sisterhood, and the mayday, and all these women, and women are badass, and then all of a sudden, it's this dude that's like, I got you. I got your back. He's, he's the new Luke, in every way. Right. That's kind of Margaret Atwood's
1: thing, though, or at least in some of the books that we read. Um, just kind of have Bring a it. male character coming to save the day. I mean, it was kind of the typical, yeah, I don't know, the typical novel in that sense where you have a female character that can maybe be the protagonist, mm-hmm. but even if she's the protagonist, at the very end, she's the man to come in and save her. Do you
5: think his she's implying like, like the real word in any sense, you know? Because our society right now is like a male, you know,
1: word. Well, it was written in '86 too.
5: Back then, still, yeah. I
0: not mean, that
1: eighty-six is that long ago from twenty seventeen. You know, yeah, I'm from nine hundred years in
0: the future. years ago. <laughs> I mean, what I like about Margaret Atwood is I think that she does dig into those issues that even a person who would label like call themselves a progressive, like she still digs into the crevices inside of those issues. To to say that, uh, well, I I don't know. Like it is more not not that like you should let anybody be off the hook, but once something positive happens like you still have to act beyond that you still have to push further continue to um, yeah work hard for the world that you want to see um, and I don't know I mean I, I think that if if this thing wasn't wrapped up nicely with uh, with the bow and all the books that we've read of hers then uh, people can maybe tend to feel a little bit like okay it's gonna be fine because the right will win out I think she maybe wants to piss people off at the end to get them activated to, you know, Women's March on Washington, which is a th- some th- thing that happens in this book where she says when women lost all their rights, there were supposed to be these marches and they were very poorly attended.
1: Yeah, nobody sh- nobody showed up. Yeah. That's, that's in, yeah. yeah. And that's since
0: it. we've, you know, we were here roughly around the time when yeah. there were huge turnouts for these marches for you know, the rights that we would like to see in the world. And so I think that she wants to lay out all of these complicated issues, um, but then maybe not make you feel good at the end of the day so that you still feel like, oh, man, we have to fight tooth and nail for this stuff. Otherwise, you know, it's it's going to go the opposite way. Mm-hmm.
3: Did the timing of how fast everything unraveled kind of throw anyone else? So she talks about it happening slowly, but it doesn't, because it all happened in her 20s. It's like a 10-year span, maybe? Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought that was one thing that seemed very interesting. There's the point where the mother yells at Luke, like, it took us so many years to get to this place where you can cook, which we already discussed. Um, But it seems like it took really no time at all to just unravel everything real quick there.
0: After that. So, yeah. yeah, the president's assassinated or whatever. The government shut down. Right. Women's bank accounts are frozen. They're laid off from their jobs. Right. Pretty quickly. It's pretty
3: fast. And I think maybe the idea, too, that seems also very relevant right now is that yeah. complacency is very dangerous. And mm-hmm. you see mm-hmm. that again and again in the book where she didn't think it would happen to them. They saw stuff on the news, but it right. wasn't where they were. Right. right. And then even yeah. different yeah. news uh, media
1: outlets they get shut down mean, because... You know, we don't want them saying these things. We'll just tell people, go home. We're putting up these roadblocks. Yeah. I mean, it was so fast. Right. They cut off the information very quickly.
0: And I think related to that, there's this other idea of, um, again, kind of that idea of, like, well, it's for your own good. There's this idea of, like, we're doing this for, for later. Like, you'll be rewarded later. Like, there is this idea of, in that timeline, this idea of, like, well, it has to be this way for now because later you'll meet your reward I don't know if she ever says, like, in heaven, but, like, that's certainly implied. It
3: is a very religious idea that suffering now is for later reward. It's an idea that we use for society, too, right? That we're going to change the way we do our tax system now so that 20 years from now, everything will be fine.
0: Well, and and at some point, um, Offred is saying this idea, like, uh, I think she says she, like, awakes and she doesn't quite know where she is. And she says, you know, this could be heaven. It could be prison. This could be the underground. The thing they all have in common is they're all not here. Like, they're all not this. They're all this kind of, like, deferred, down-the-road promise, you know? But at the same time, so, so that's maybe holding in the balance in on the one hand. The other thing that she says, several... There's this idea, I think, of... Uh, sorry, I have a list. At some point, there's... Just when she's early on describing several things that she says, she says there's this... Um, uh, sorry. This, uh, there's this field... She says, it's through a field of valid objects that I must pick my way every day and in every way. I put a lot of effort into making such distinctions. I need to make them. I need to be very clear in my own mind. And then just shortly after that, page 105. Sorry, I'm trying to read a few things. Um, oh, my Android's so bad I can't read my own notes. Sorry. I'm sorry. This is not my copy of the book. This I, is your time yeah. to open your beers. All, yeah, everybody you can open, make a lot of noise. Get a beer if you need a beer. Yeah, anybody up. want beers? There's plenty. Please.
1: You can throw them out. You can toss them out. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Get those open. Yeah, let's make this a short intermission. Yeah. How about that? I got it now. It's good. Well, we'll come, come back, back from, intermission. from intermission. Yeah. Yeah. Short intermission.
6: And And we're back. Oh, so I'm just relating some of the points to real life. Um, As a railroader, there's not very many females out there. And so sometimes, like, the female, like, being a female, it's your best asset and it's your worst asset at the same time. So, like, when it comes to HR, which is located in Fort Worth, it's great because they want to see females rise. It helps their numbers, per se. But guys in the field, just as soon you not be there. Like, at a a manager level, there's a handful, and I guess the feeling is, well, the only reason they got there is they're, like, the diversity hire, or they're female, so they're not good at their jobs. They're never going to be good at their job is, like, a perception that a lot of people have, so it's kind of just interesting to, well, we'll treat you like we're our daughter. We'll be really nice to you, or, you know pretend yeah. like you're good they but think really playing a role as well right but really we would rather just sit, be a good old boys club yeah i don't know just season.
0: what do you what do you do specifically for the railroad
6: so i have a really awesome job title of roadmaster um so I'm oh, the...
0: this is everyone blame the roadmaster <laughs> i should change
6: on my Woo! business card yeah, so I'm from 2017. I work for a railroad. Um, so I'm a roadmaster. I supervise anywhere from 20 to 50 guys. Um, and we, go out, we make sure that the, the trains stay on their tracks, is the job. So all we can ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when Brent comes here on Amtrak, yeah. he makes it safely, is really, truly my job. So we inspect, detect, and correct defects. Can
5: I make the train run faster?
6: I mean... Also, also we're, we're here on Amtrak. I thought we came here on a space, space
0: pod. I traveled. I traveled. When you were asleep the other day, I took a little trip. You can't trust these seven-leggers. I tell you what. It was great. They let me on. They welcomed me as one of their own. I got to I got to pull the... Right? Yeah.
7: Use uh, one chair too. two.
0: As many as possible. That's a good question. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Really spread out. There's so much foot space on that Amtrak. Amtrak, everyone's favorite track. Mm. <laughs> Only option.
4: Uh,
0: oh yeah. uh, Blaine, yeah. keeping the trains run on time. Yeah. Blaine, the roadmaster. <laughs> everyone's favorite roadmaster.
6: But, but I don't supervise any females. I've never worked for a female. Um, okay. Oh. In my company, in my role, there's probably 175 people that have the same job title as me throughout the country, and I think there's, we counted the other day, there's five of us that are females, so like 3%. Whoa. So it's definitely, you see a lot of underlying tones that people won't say out loud, but definitely exist within our society.
3: Maybe this book is just making those things out loud and okay.
6: Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. Well,
0: I read the whole book. It was great. You should read it. No, it Where's that gone? Uh, yeah, that's my <laughs> 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 that's my project explaining corner. I think
5: I think as a strong feminist, I really can't read this book because it's gonna make me cry. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> tiny, that's tiny, what tiny, you sorry, need. I read the Wikipedia. <laughs> I think, I think <laughs> no.
0: Did that make you cry? Did did the Wikipedia make you cry? (laughs) Almost. (laughs) It
1: it was pretty rough. Yeah, it's it's not like anti-men in any sense, but when I was reading it and I was watching all these things that happened, it was like, why is no one angry about this? Why is nobody fighting about this? Right? So I'm thinking of all the men in my life who are really strong men that I trust and respect deeply. And if all of a sudden my bank account was taken away or I was, my job was taken away, they would be angry, and they would fight with me, and we would all fight together. It would be something worth fighting about, worth yelling about, worth causing a scene about. And in the book, none of that comes up. At least they don't talk about it. It's not a thing. It's like everything happened, and people just accepted it. And that's the part I think I can't really wrap my head around. I don't know.
6: We've only been here for four weeks, but I don't think the that would happen. The sad part is, is, like, so I maybe my dad, would get, my dad would get pretty passionate, but, like, I look at at least my coworkers and... I, like, I literally I don't, don't think, think they care. I, and I, I think there's a lot of our society yeah, in 2017 that would think that that's a good idea.
3: And it, I don't think, while the actual events seem like they happened really quickly, it seems like they were setting the stage for this a long time in advance, right? They blamed the Islamic State. They'd already Things had already started changing culturally before any of the, you know, assassinations went down. So, like, I guess... I I can see it going down either way, and that's sort of terrifying.
4: Mm
3: -hmm. Um, Yeah. Okay, so now it's time for everyone's favorite section. Bore yourself to tears. I'm going to jump in.
0: Yeah, everybody's favorite segment.
3: And talk about a book that none of you have read. (laughs) Oh, so rude. Uh, Anyway, so there's a book called The Water Knife, and there's a question that comes up in both of these books that I found very interesting. It's like, what is the value of surviving? When, when is it more noble to try to survive, and under what circumstances do you decide not to? Um, because one of Alfred's things is that she intends to survive. And that, again, is one of the things they pulled out in the Hulu and one of the Hulu show, and one of the things they talk about in the book is like she has the option at the end to hang herself or to go forward. And you see previous handmaid, handmaids that have had the option to You have three options. You can behave, you can kill yourself, or you can sort of hope you don't get caught, I guess. Um, and The Water Knife has a has sort of a similar idea that there is in the end the survival was the only thing that mattered in that novel that there, there was no good, I'm just going to spoil this for everyone but you, you're going to figure out by like chapter 10 that no happiness happens um, that there's sort of a, a, a respect in intending to survive no matter what the circumstances are mm-hmm. And I'm not... I don't know if I feel the same way about this book or not. Like, do you want to stay alive and try to fight? Or do you want to take a way out? I feel like you're justified either way.
1: Who's the character that runs away? Maureen or more, more, Ma,
3: Ma, Ma, Ma. Maura? Maura? Yeah, except she doesn't make it.
1: Well, we don't know. We don't know. Right. She runs away. She gets caught. She becomes a hooker for a while. And then we don't know what happens after that. She could have right. been killed. I guess most likely is she died eventually, whether that was from them killing her then or them killing her once she was no longer yeah. good to be used as a hooker. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. I think in this, in this book, there's also the choice of trying to run away. But just because, and the only reason right. I call her out as a character is because she does run away and she yeah. successfully runs away to a point and then she gets brought back and put in a different sector. Yeah. So she's no longer the baby-making sector. Now she's the... Entertainment. Um, the entertainment yeah. sector. Yeah, she gets moved to that. But there's at least a couple of examples of women attempting to run away and maybe making it to Canada before they get transported to um, England and being saved. <laughs> and like, that's that's right. your way out, right? So, so, or or it's false hope. Right. I, I don't know. Right. But, but it's almost if you're gonna. Yeah. end it anyways you might as well try to escape to Canada before <laughs> oh.
3: see what happens I it, don't know it, it seemed to me in some ways that the, the death it was a type of autonomy as well that getting to choose not only how you lived which wasn't an option but choosing how you died if you died as a public execution in a bag or if you died of your own hand which is pretty rough place to come to but it's not something that like I, I wasn't sure all the way through what I would have thought or felt, which is the sort of braver choice, and I I don't think there is one, or which is the most autonomous choice, if you attempt to survive despite what's going on and keep your mind sane, or if you take power in your own death. Yeah, I think that's something we should talk about now, too, is describing
1: the room that she was in. So the window, there was no way to break the window. Yeah. It had bars on it or something, so she couldn't jump through it, or the the window wouldn't open itself.
3: It's it's very private Mm prison-like, but with a hotel vibe.
1: There was no um, hanging lamp or chandelier or anything, although there were remnants of one that had once been there that had now been taken away. Yeah. There were no sharp objects. The, um, there were paintings on the wall, but the glass had been removed. Um, there was nothing. Everything in the room had been sterilized to the point that there was no way to take your life away. No laces on the shoes the... if
3: you were paying attention.
1: Right. Yeah, it was very, and she's describing this from the very beginning of the novel before she tells you why. She's just describing the room and she's making um, very specific uh, points about the fact that all of these things are missing from the room. And we learn later that the room she's in, the commander's last housemaid hung herself from the chandelier. That's why the chandelier is no longer there. Although she can tell that a chandelier used to be there because there's remnants of it on the ceiling. So I think that is a very powerful part of the book because you're realizing one of their choices until the commanders and the wives get smart and start taking away those options is that is a choice they can make where they have some power and control and that a lot of housemaids are actually using and even she gets very creative right she hides a match and she talks about well you know if i actually did it just the right way i could probably hang myself from the closet if i tilted just the right way like she's thinking through these different options and trying to be very creative where When all of these different obstacles have been removed or these different tools have been removed that would allow me to do that, is there any way I could possibly, and she does, and she uses that almost as a salvation, where at nighttime when she's, you know, she's stuck in this place, she'll think about it and she'll just feel good knowing, well, if it ever gets to that point, I could possibly do this or try this, which is a crazy thing to think that you'd be in that situation where that would sound good, you know?
0: And now it's time for questions for the future. Well, we've been out on the uh, White Bear Lake in our pod, we have a time capsule, and people from 2017 have been placing questions for the future in it. Uh, now is the time when we're going to open up that time capsule and attempt to answer some of these questions. Um, we've got uh, Dyson and Ray also from the future this time. Uh, do you want to read some of his questions? Uh, and, and, and Amy and Blaine and anyone else, I would love to have a local time space perspective. Yeah, if, also, uh, if anybody from the audience has questions. Yes. Uh, well, and, and actually, that brings me to um, someone, I can't remember your name, sorry. Erica. Erica brought up the question earlier. Brent, how many seats do you take up on public transportation? As many as possible, because I'm a man. <laughs> Woo! Man spreading with seven legs. Yeah, so I have. We're going to go into a, a small segment inside of the Ask Questions to the Future segment. This is everyone's favorite segment Brent's Butt Corner. God. It is a recurring segment. It actually, it actually is. For better or for worse. Uh, Alright, hey Brent. Page, did, hey John. Did you notice on page 235 of this book that they said audiobook, there are a great many buttocks in this room. I am no longer used to them. Brent, you got seven legs. How many butts do you have? As many as possible. <laughs> and that's been everyone's favorite segment, Brent's Butt Corner. you put me in a weird spot, but I had an answer. Brought to you by MeUndies. MeUndies. Oh my God. Please sponsor uh, us. Uh, how many butts you got? We'll cover them all. We'll cover them all. Okay, I believe that I have. And we're back. A question from uh, maybe this child who you were talking about, who uh, doesn't know how to read back. or write. I, I just want everyone to see this because it's beautiful. Let me see. She was. She said, "I Whoa. can't read," and then said, "But I have a question." It's okay, and I just want to also show everyone the drawing. The person on the back, he looks like um, it looks like a um, oh gosh, it looks like a an aging rocker with a, a almond for a body. Um, she drew this as well, so. I I, it's pretty oh good. God. Yeah, it looks good to me. Okay, that checks out. What, well, Amy? Don't you shouldn't be on his side. I'm just gonna tell you, tell you that right now. It doesn't pan out. Um, has Amy got any good good questions to start with? You, can or can you translate that one?
6: Future language or just literally
0: there you go. <laughs> it's a code. But she was dead serious when she wrote it. I was so so pleased. Um, All right. I I got one. This one I think we fielded a time or two before, but let's get back into it. Back in 2016, Americans made a huge mistake and elected an evil moron for their leader. What effect did that have on the world as you know it? Uh, It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. It's the end of the world as we know it. I just want to follow that question
1: with... We feel fine. Please provide reassurance. Will the Earth survive the Voldemort, a.k.a. Mm -hmm. Trump, administration? Please say yes.
0: Here's the thing. I'm going to... I
1: I would like to answer
0: that. With a reference to the book. Page 96. Because I'm not quite sure who... Uh Voldemort is in this situation. Because it's so terrifying. I'm the, sorry, I can't remember. Page forty six, not ninety-six. It's not the one about butter in your skin. Nope, it turns out. Uh okay. You I, I I I think I know uh put butter on your skin, everybody. Butter, the hand cream of the future. Um Okay. you by Wild Wild Bill. I think that Voldemort... Um, the Hannibal movie It's intended to mean your president, but here's a um, here's a little uh, audio it book. AKA
1: Trump on it. I didn't say that.
0: Sounds- oh, here's a little thing from the book, page forty-six. We thought she was funny, or Luke thought she was funny. I only pretended to think so. Really, she was a little frightening. She was in earnest. Um, I would say. You have a vice president right now who's a bad man, and uh, the reason why he's a bad man is because he would be funny, like your president, except I think he believes everything he says and therefore is terrifying and is in earnest. What was the question?
1: Are we going to survive? Will Earth survive Voldemort?
0: Well, Earth, Earth definitely survives the Trump presidency, so you have that to look forward to, but they do not survive the Voldemort presidency. <laughs> That's what we're saying. So, oh, sh- sh- well, spo- we can do spoilers. I'm almost. also saying Pence is more like Voldemort than Trump is, if you really want to get down to Pence and Needles. He's a scary man. All right, I got a good question here from Henry, Henry! age four, from Minneapolis. What will the red spot do? Henry, it's going to get redder. <laughs>
5: Okay, I got a question from uh, Shelly. Can you tell me uh, what my relatives are like? The worst.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Am I right? <laughs> sorry, Shelly. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Shelly. That's been everyone's favorite segment. Sorry, Shelly.
6: <laughs> is cuisine still defined by nationality? Like, Are there American restaurants? Uh, what do define kind of food segments?
0: Dyson, you're the one who lives in sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> what what nationality of sandwiches do you live in? Uh,
5: it's, uh, uh, okay, it's it's not no longer defined by uh, nationality, it's defined by food, uh, what kind of food, like, specifically. So we'll have sandwich, you know, stir-fry uh, noodles, um... <laughs> with lasagna. Some, <laughs> with some <laughs> lasagna. So. <laughs> there you have it.
0: Yeah. Hope that clears that question up. Crystal. Dang. Oh, I thought it was from Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, you're welcome, Crystal, for being clear. You got a good one over here?
1: Uh, yeah, this is coming from Abby on planet Mars. Are cell phones still not all waterproof slash indestructible? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Here's the
0: thing, Abby. You're from Mars. <laughs> you don't have water. It's dry as Arizona there. (laughs) Why do you care? You're welcome. (laughs) And also, no, they're not waterproof or indestructible. Sorry. Uh, This one does not have a name, but uh, what's the hottest new food at the state fair in the year you come from? Okay. Here's the thing. You can get this tenderloin to tell you about it uh, so um, here's the thing you take like a whole uh, planet right and a big hammer um, let's say make tender ones you start with a big planet hopefully um, not a habited one but if it is you know so so be it
6: extra flavor
0: yeah uh, you get your big hammer you smash that planet real flat okay you uh, you put it on a bun that's made out of uh, uh, <laughs> Donuts. Donuts. Thank you, Ray. You've had this. Oh yeah. And uh, planet tenderloin on donuts.
4: Nice. Mmm, good.
0: <laughs> With oh. cheese. Yeah, if you're lucky, you get the uh, you get a juicy Lucy planet that uh, already has a molten core of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I I like this one a lot. Uh, How do you brush your teeth? Well, intrepid question asker, just just like you, one at a time.
6: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we have different time periods, right? Like the Iron Age or the turn of the century. So what will this historical period we are in currently in 2017 be called in 50 years?
0: Beyonce age.
5: Okay, I've got a question. Am I wrong? That's her. Okay, do emojis become the language of the future? (laughs)
0: sorry. Beer spells. Beer spells.
1: That's still a frequent occurrence in the future, in case anyone's wondering.
0: Action. What was the question? Sorry.
5: Do emojis become the fi- uh, language of the future? People just like making uh, emoji faces with like.
1: They're definitely part of the language. No. They're actually part it's of the
5: language same. in
1: 2017,
5: right? Wasn't an emoji just
0: added to the dictionary? Yeah, dumb
5: question.
1: Something,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired, Cindy. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was. I I think I've got the question to end this segment. Does okay. is, is anybody have a really good one they want to get in before before we... Uh, does anyone in the audience have questions for the future?
1: Or want to answer some questions for the future. Yeah. Like, you guys are from is 2017. There, is, is that a
6: Santa good? Claus yeah. or a place in <laughs> Santa?
4: Yes.
0: Oh boy, you know. There's
1: only one Santa Claus.
0: Oh, this could be divisive. And he died in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, Universe. Santa Claus dies in 2018.
1: <laughs> I hope there's no children listening to this. For many reasons.
0: A... Hey, hey here's, just a, here's just a little call out to all our children listeners. Hey, children. Hey, children, watch out for those elves because they are good at coup de tas. <laughs> <laughs> coup de santas, as they call them. Got, Got them. <laughs> all right. <laughs> are there any more questions? Sorry. Okay, go go, mom, for, it, go for it. Go for it. Do humans
6: still get hiccups?
0: <gasps> I'm not human. <laughs> Does not answer the question. <laughs> that was a holographic hiccup. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you know any humans from our time? Not strictly. We're all post-human. I've uploaded my consciousness so many times. It began as human, but that uh, was a long time ago. Isn't
3: Zelda
0: the warrior princess? Excellent.
4: Xena. Zena. No, it's <laughs> Zelda. It's
1: Zelda. There's not yes. Xena. There's Zelda.
0: You're right. Zelda right. warrior princess. I'm thinking, of the, I'm thinking of the classic video games I used to play. Xena, no, Warrior the Ocarina of Zena, Time. Ocarina of Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's
1: not with us no longer. Xena, Wind Waker. <laughs> Zelda, though. That's a human we have.
0: That's true. I mean, we did—we have talk, talked about uh, the largest celebrity in the future, LeVar Burton. Physically largest. His head is the size of Earth, and his body is proportionate. LeVar Burton, human. Also human. Yes. So. What was the question? Does he hiccups. <laughs> he hiccups, yeah, yes. Yes, yeah. all the time. And I mean, he's it causes. To recommend those books. Yes, and it causes huge disturbances yeah. on nearby planets.
1: Yeah. Gravitational forces.
0: For sure. Mm-hmm. All right, this is going to be the, the the end all be all. Uh, there's no name on this one, but here we go. Have women finally taken over? Yep. <laughs> Got it. And
5: that's how we play. That's, how we're, uh, that's why we're.
0: Yeah, that's so why we do this podcast. Yeah. They told us. <laughs> that's right. Well, We're if good. You your arms
6: are
1: actually tied behind your back right now, I just want to let the audience
0: know. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, Ray, Ray's standing above us. She's tied these knots. I don't know how to get out of them. Girl Scouts took over at some point.
1: But they have really good cookies, so.
0: <laughs> Love them cookies.
1: Yeah. Consolation prize.
0: That's how we play Questions of the Future. I can't clap. My hands are behind my back. Mm-hmm. It is. Do we
1: have any questions from the audience as far as the book and what we've talked about so far and how what happens in the book if you haven't read it yet or if you have read it, things we should talk about that we haven't talked about yet. I
2: have mm-hmm. oh. Hi, my name is Minneapolis. Hi. I really Hi. And I think like a lot of us, I've been seeing a lot of ads for the upcoming Hulu series, including on the cover of the books, which we are currently <laughs> holding. And what do you think the cultural reaction to the release of that this spring might be?
0: Just follow-up question, do you know, I, I did watch the trailer, do you know, like, are we featuring any, like, uh Jake Gyllenhaal, Like are we is there anyone like that in this? Do you do we know?
2: Uh, yeah yeah, the main character is played by oh, can someone remind me of her name? She, she was in Mad Men. She's Peggy from Mad Men. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great actress. Uh, she's no, yet. We're yeah, we can Google in twenty. Oh, you know.
0: Google so, one All that exists is Bing in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys remember? You guys remember? Uh, Dogpile should have checked it out. <laughs> Ask Jeeves. And here's Jeeves. Hello, hello. I'm Jeeves. Do you have a question? Oh. Yep.
2: Spoiler. Do we
0: have it? Do we need to ask Jeeves more questions? Yeah, let's go to Jeeves. Oh hi, I'm Jeeves. Hey Jeeves. I, I'm from. And how the many Doss. legs do you have? Jesse's fish legs. Jesse's fish legs? Yep. I to get the. Fi- I'm a fishmonger, actually. People don't know that about me. And that's been ask Jeeves, <laughs> everybody's well, least favorite that? segment. Okay, so
7: that's she's famous. Um, so is he, Elizabeth Moss. Jesus okay, we're I think Elizabeth Moss is offered. And Samira Wiley is Mora. Mm-hmm. So Samira Wiley from yeah. Orange Is the New Black, mm-hmm. and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss, Moss from Mad Men, okay. and yeah. Joseph oh. Fiennes from Shakespeare oh, in Love and shit, and <laughs> I, Alexis Bledel from Good Girls.
4: Can you
0: can you please it. answer this question? Yeah. How is what's the reaction going to be? Do you think in April
7: to the show? Yeah, every woman's going to watch it, and some dudes too.
3: I think the
0: final
3: result will be a decrease in the number of men getting laid. Oh no! Depends. (laughs) Decrease or increase? Decrease unless they watch the show with you. See, I think if you like love a guy and you read
1: this book, you want to, you know,
3: appreciate more,
1: love him more because they're not. You never know.
3: Don't take your bank account.
0: We, and there you oh, have it.
1: The
7: Handmaid's Tale has had unprecedented sales in the last three months. So really? I think that we can yeah. expect a pretty solid reaction to the Hulu series. So have y'all
1: seen the movie? Uh, right? Yeah. There was a movie in the 90s for the Handmaid's yeah. okay. okay, so what did you think? Of? I haven't seen it yet. Please, so come,
0: on, come on, on down. down. Yeah, you're you're on at this guys. point. Okay. Come
2: on. Come on, We watched it in one of my classes in college. Okay. And the production values are kind of eh, hmm. but it's a solid adaptation. Um, the class reacted like oh that's I feel like we thought that it seemed like it could happen but the emotional tenor was maybe a little less than what we've experienced in the last three months
0: do you do you mind saying when like what year that was that you watched it
2: it? yeah um 2010
0: okay so even seven years
2: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm So, does, is there any, is there anybody here that has
1: not read the book or watched any of the films that just they've heard they've listened to us talk about it a little bit tonight and they have like very strong reactions and want to just I don't know give your ten cents about
4: whatever I'm it may be. i to jump in here, but I read do the Do you thing. have a reaction? And what is your reaction? Whole thing. What do you want to talk
7: about? I haven't read this, but I want to talk briefly about what you said about forgiveness, mm-hmm. and it, do- it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like um, oh gosh, I can't think of the word because I've had too many beers now. But um, I saw something recently. It was about fight or flight. And, of course, there's freeze. And they said there's a fourth, which is fawn, which is what women do. And that's very much mm. fawning, um, which is to save one. You know, like, you have to... I'm not trying to put the word... Tend and
3: befriend. Is yes, befriend.
7: exactly. Yeah. You know, like, you have to maintain this person who actually does maintain your existence um, through shoring up their ego, which is basically... Every woman in this room knows exactly. What I'm talking about and anybody with a shitty boss does too.
1: So it's like a survival mechanism. Yeah, I mean? absolutely.
7: Okay. And oh, never mind. I'm gonna stop right now. No, keep going. Okay. I think you're. I well,
1: mean, I'm very interested in what you're saying. you were talking about
7: it as forgiveness it was a word I was thinking of, and I'm trying to remember it now. Because um, it wasn't forgiveness. It was oh denial. It was denial. Okay. Um, deni- like 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 gaslighting. In what do they call that? internalized oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. oppression. Yeah. That's it.
1: Okay. So it wasn't a conscious, intentional, I'm forgiving you for doing this. It was more of a like defensive mechanism of you're saying this and in order for me to survive I have to treat you as a human which means that you don't really mean what you're saying you in order for of, me to like look you in the
7: face again I have to think that maybe you might be a decent sum- mm-hmm. human being somewhere in there
1: okay, turn you from a monster to like an actual person yeah treating, who has feeling, co- conflicting
7: you know views and feelings and maybe somewhere deep in there you're you know a decent person
1: gotcha yeah I like that I mean she does that again and again in the novel where he's saying things and again he's not a monster he's just very ignorant of what's going on and he's one of the men that was a part of a think tank that developed this program to save everybody. Right?
3: Can I can I jump in here a little bit? Yeah, you just do. said he's not a monster, and they talk about that woman that's the mistress of the SS officer. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, he's a totally decent mm-hmm. guy. He loved his dog. I didn't say he was decent. He, I said he wasn't he a monster. Okay, right. But what, what qualifies your monsters? Even monsters have a mother and can be nice right. to their puppies. All monsters
7: have real feelings. I mean,
2: what do people say about
1: Intentional I think he had people's best interests in mind. He was just like ignorant about everything. (laughs) He was, I mean, he was stupid. He thought he could save women and men by making these transformations, which wasn't correct. I don't think it was an intentional, let's inflict women with these.
7: Like, what does saving mean in that context?
1: Well, so here's the thing that I think everyone has to be aware of is during this time period people weren't producing offspring anymore because of a couple of different things. One of them was environmental impacts. The other one was like, as a society, we were no longer producing offspring. So as a whole, the country was actually in a very dire situation. Dire, I don't know how dire it was. The politicians said it was a very dire situation. So they thought, we need to make sure that we have enough offspring that we can continue to live in the same way we have been. That was their big thing. And there were a lot of women experiencing um, sexual rape, um also actually just being not necessarily raped but being treated in certain ways that they thought if we take the sexuality out of what they're doing and we make them just objects we will protect them we will say i mean it was coming from a good place and i'm not saying it was right i'm just saying he was stupid like he didn't understand what he was doing and he decided to take away these freedoms that we should have because he was trying to protect women while also you know, it was one, one of, of the those gonna stupid gonna think, think tanks. General Devil's general? advocate here, though. Oh, go
7: ahead.
1: Benevolent patriarchy, well, fuck
2: that. I, I, totally having not read the book, yeah. I yeah. had to question whether it was like genuinely trying to improve
7: yeah. the situation
2: or whether it was like. I can make this decision, so I'm right. in a position to make this choice, so I'm going to do it because it benefits me. Yeah. Well, that was, there were no yeah. women in the painting. It was all men in the painting. So, there, you,
1: if, you have, if 50% of the population is not involved in making a, a decision, it's going to be the wrong decision. I mean, and that's in every respect of life when we're trying to make a decision as a culture. We have to have. We have to try to have every religion, every race, every sex, every gender, je- like everybody involved, because if we don't, we'll make right. the wrong decisions, and in this case, they just had... Group mm-hmm. but exactly, you, but I don't,
2: I yeah. think in that, because they, they are in a situation, right? Like, they chose who was in the room, and so therefore, there's no way that it could have been genuine, it was deliberate.
3: Right, and I, remember how they say, better isn't better for everyone, the, the unspoken second corollary to that is better is better for someone, right? It's not like, oh, we've benevolently made yes. this decision for society. Like, no, they're getting what they want. They they have the rules and they get to break the rules and they have the power and they get to choose who doesn't get the power. I mean, I would argue that behind every seemingly benevolent decision, somebody it's like capitalism. I mean, somebody's making money or somebody's getting to fuck as many women as they want or whatever their whatever their goal is. I don't think I don't think a bunch of people sat down and were like, Yeah, yeah, I think this would really help the culture and it, made this misguided decision. I'm sure that's how they phrased it when they said it on TV. See, I would agree with that originally, except the men couldn't fuck anyone they wanted. They actually
1: couldn't even fuck their own wives in the same sense that they used to actually make love to these women they really cared deeply about. Instead, they had these surrogate women who they either didn't care about or maybe they cared about on a human level, but like, they didn't love them. They're just these women that are brought in because they can't make babies. And so the men are put in the same situations in this society where I'm supposed to, while my wife, her face in front of me is laying up here with her legs spread, and there's someone else below her that I can't see, and I'm trying to make a baby. Like, the men are put in in just a uh, comparable situation. And again, not not all the men had the right to make this decision, and there's some men that don't get sex at all. We didn't talk about that early on, I think. But there's some men, only the commanders are doing this act of trying to make babies with the handmaids. There's also men that have no right to... um, sex with any woman at all, including they're not supposed to even masturbate right.
3: at all. I, I mean, I so they've taken, taken away that, that
1: from men as a whole because the whole point of society <laughs> is to make... I no, no, I mean... Uh, I mean that should be... <laughs> yeah, that should be talked about. That I think, the sigh of
7: the week. I, I, uh, It should be uh, talked, talked about. I, is, I, 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 I would see. argue <laughs> that even if they were dehumanized, <laughs> they probably were not in the same position.
3: I mean, this is the idea where you put... You, you can have more than one people that are disadvantaged, and still have a group that's getting privilege, and then you set the two disadvantaged groups against each other. That's right. like the classic system, right? Like the idea of setting poor. White I'm not people saying the situation was great. good at all. I'm just saying right. men were also everybody was suffering <coughs> under this situation.
7: Right. As long as one of us are oppressed, all of us are oppressed for sure.
3: Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I agree with you to some extent, but I would say that the there is definitely still even a difference between men that had power and men that didn't have power. Um, and so it's not. It's not. There's like a lot of tears on this society, and there was always the, the dream that you would become an old man that got your own handmaid. Right? That's how they kept men in line.
0: Right. Very,
3: very much a dangle a carrot and wield a stick. But you only of got of a handmaid if you never had a child. Right. Which so also can we talk gonna, about that these women they were or not going to be fertile. Yeah. plan was this? <laughs>
0: The old man? The old man! Who (laughs) else? Hey, everybody see this picture, by the way? Sorry, I have to keep this plugged in. Upside down. Those guys. Those old men. You know these
3: guys? 2017? Pence in his death mask.
0: Oh, I don't know. Uh, For the audience at home, that's your president. Can I take a look at it? I'll describe it. Okay. Uh, Sound effects. Should I do upside down? (laughs) Oh, being white is so tough. Yeah. Oh man, I wish I didn't have this penis dangling between my legs. Such such out- a burden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, let's sign papers to hurt everybody except for me.
2: Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Okay, I have a follow up question from the audience, which is, what will Donald Trump tweet about the Handmaid's Tale?
0: Sad, sad. Well,
3: I really I felt for these sad. women.
0: I think I think we when started we <laughs> I think we started talking about that a little bit. Like, there was maybe a question in the questions for the future thing.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, T L D R, 140 characters, too many. It is on TV, guys. That's something.
3: I hope they're advertising it for Fox News. It's
0: only one life. Hulu, fake news. Don't lo- don't love it. Speaking of, uh, page twenty of your book. Uh here we go. This is a direct quote from Donald Trump on page 20. Let's see. Um, not really. But anyways, audiobook. Sometimes I wish she would just shut up and let me walk in walk in peace, but I'm ravenous for news, any kind of news, even if it's false news. It must be something. Uh that's the first reference of fake news on in this book. Uh let's go to So yeah, I mean the the what's being uh, and a reference in this is that there's no news really at all and what you do get they know is totally biased which seems kind of uh, Cause this important is coming, this time. This is
1: coming from the woman that she walks to the store with. So yeah. you, have one, you can't walk to the store by yourself as a woman. You get one woman to walk with you and you have no idea you can't actually talk to her about things like hey, is this fucked up? What's going on? Because then she might be one of the enemy. So you have code words to try to slowly figure out is this someone that is 100% Buying into all this shit, and I should probably not give myself up or, you know, off with her head. Or can I ask her questions and try to talk about different things? And so this mm-hmm. is one of the things where all of a sudden she's getting news from her um, friend that she walks to the store with, but she doesn't know if she can trust it,
0: mm-hmm. right? The odd thing in this with, like, that quote and then the one I'm about to read is that the people who receive the news are, by all accounts in less esteem and have less power. They're not determining what the news is. Mm -hmm. They're just sort of passive recipients in this case. And the weird thing with your current president is that he wields that sort of against the media itself, saying, like, anything that's reported against me is false news. I'm the victim here. uh, And not the recipients of the false, of the really false news. It's such, like, I don't know, a clusterfuck of... (laughs) Like, I can't even explain it because it's, it's so scarier absurd. It's than
1: freezing your fucking bank account because he's freezing the information or, like, trying to cut off different sources. Or at least terrify enough people that they stop listening to those sources altogether. And mm-hmm. they get their information directly from his
3: press secretary, yeah. who's also yes. a scary Oof. guy. And, and fear is coming up in both the book and in our current society that if you... There really isn't anything to be afraid of. There's not more crime in the cities. There's not more terrorist attacks, not significantly more. And But it's easy to create fear. And then when you've created the fear, then you can say that you need the safety.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when the people who are supposed to keep the people in power in check, the media, who by all accounts legitimately do have sort of less power, I mean, their power is in the reportage and the You know, how deep they're willing to go and investigate and report on these issues. And when that is being, I don't know, inverted and said, like, no, I'm the victim, the person who is distinctly in power versus these media outlets and is the one who plays the victim in this case, it's a weird, fucked up situation. He's a man, you should
3: just forgive him. Uh,
0: Well, he does have two legs, so (laughs) he's got my blessing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and that's been your Real Minnesota Corner <laughs> Oof-da
1: should go back to the audience They have really good stuff
0: Yeah, I know This is. They should
1: have been conducting the whole
7: thing
0: Honestly, to to be I, fair, I, me and Brent should have walked off immediately the, I know, this might have been the best one yet Because we've sh- shut the fuck up and listened <laughs> for once Well, I mean, is it about that time? Or are there a I, lot? Nope, nope Okay, I let's got get into one it One thing I want to do Um there, I've got three more segments. There's oh. this, there's this um, idea throughout, very early on, page 11 in my copy. Um, I, I noticed like there's just this turn of phrase that Margaret Atwood used um, when Offred is saying, she says, I, I hunger to touch something other than cloth or wood. I hunger to commit the act of touch. Uh, and so when she used that, that turn of phrase, like this idea of just physical touch... Um, in this case as being like, you know, it's like an act of treason, you know, like you say the act of, as if it's something that like is a crime. Right. And, um, so I made notes just throughout, like every time that she uses this language of touch just to see how it was used. And so in this case, it's like a criminal act later on in page 52. It's, uh, there's evidence she can see on her mattress in the room that she's in of like, uh, of like intimacy like of some kind of sex act uh, like left on the mattress right which is an, just an evidence of touch that she doesn't experience herself um, on page 97 uh, let's see I think she just wants someone to I'm sorry I have scarce notes on these um, she, she like longs for someone to touch her um, page 99 it's just it's good to be touched um I don't don't know there's this idea throughout and then later on I think the last instance I had of it in here was when there's these situations the uh where the women and the men have their own separate um gosh I I'm sorry I'm sorry I've uh I'm not running this podcast (laughs) Which is great. The salvagings. And so the idea is you bring all the men together. You can kind of rallied up about, like, accusing other men. With women, they get to participate in that as well. But it's their own thing. This These salvagings. And so this one man, I forget what he's been accused of, is thrown over to the handmaids. Rape.
1: He's been accused of rape.
0: Bingo. To be destroyed. And so the idea is you get all these women to physically Murder him in this crazy, like free for all, in order to like. You, she you created know.
1: a special word for it. What was it? It was
0: Part- public, t- execution. public execution. Participation. Yeah, you participate in the execution. Yes.
1: I looked that up on Google, and all that came up was her book over and over again because she literally made that word up. So I it's it. a very specific word she created for this novel.
0: Well, and so in that case, that's that's the last instance I made of of her using like the idea of just physical touch. And in that case, it's off-red saying, "I cannot touch that body. Like, I will not participate in that." Um, And so, all all the way throughout, there's been this idea that this like idea of physical touch as intimacy or as just like any kind of like you know one person to another as this like longing or like it's it's delayed, Um, it's a desire. But at that moment, it's like I, I will not participate in that. And so, I think that like you could. You could read part of this book, I think, with just some of these, like, if you went to those moments and and saw how she used this idea of just, like, flesh to flesh, like, what does that human to another human touch actually look like? Because I think that that gesture just, like, signifies so much in how that's given or withheld um, throughout this book.
3: I'd say you could follow through with all the places, and I didn't do this, where there's looking. Look but don't touch Mm. seems like it's a big part of the book. Or... You can look, but you can't actually see what's – because it's covered by something. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Yeah, I would say I have two
1: comments to what you just said, and one of them is that, A, that actual situation is a very big deal because in the last chapter, they come back to it, and they talk about participation or whatever it is, and how at the time that the leaders that be thought it was a great way – to teach people a lesson because of a couple of reasons, and one of them was that it lets all of the handmaids get that adrenaline and anger out of them because they literally tear a man apart. The other one was that the men that were accused of rape and given to the situation where women were doing that were not actually accused of rape. They were actually men helping the other women. So some of the housemaids that were a part of the group, and we see this in the novel because one of them runs up and hits him very hard very quickly and makes him he's passed out right and um our narrator is very upset by watching her do that and she asks her later like why did you do that and she said well i know him he's actually helping us and i wanted to knock him out before everything else happened mm. she was trying to like put him out of his misery yeah. but anyway they would fa- these men that were helping the women from the inside would be found out So the women that were part of the handmaids that knew that had to watch a man be ripped apart in front of them. So it not only hurt them and made them question what they were doing, but it also all the other women that didn't realize what was going on, it let them get rid of some adrenaline. Mm. So it was really good for the powers that be in a couple of levels, which is crazy. We don't get that to the last chapter, but that's crazy. The other one is you talk about the power of touch, and that was one of our five words. Well, it wasn't touch. It was Lust. But I think in this book, it does come to play a really significant role because at some point, our handmaid falls for this um, guy that's a car washer, basically, on the property. Yeah. And all he is is a washer of cars, except he also is like a younger guy. And she starts going up to his room. And then all of a sudden, she knows if she gets caught, it's again off with her head. But in a way, that keeps her alive again. Because for a while, she's trying to contemplate how she's going to off herself. And then all of a sudden there's a guy that she can finally kind of have this release with and now the world has changed in a way Hmm. and so I think giving her that right to have the power of touch whether either of them know each other or love each other if they didn't have that opportunity he would from a society's point of view not be able to touch anybody and she also would not be able to touch anybody except when you know the commander does this thing every once in a while. So I think that is a very, very powerful undertone in this book because that actually saves her for a while. She decides not to kill herself, mm-hmm. continues to go on these rendezvous with him, and in the end, whether she survives or not, we don't really know, the book ends very quickly. Mm-hmm. His friends basically take her away before
0: Yeah, talking that about happens. that relationship, there's this phrase uh, about, like, I'm going to memorize this, I'm going to live in that image of, of like, this moment, mm-hmm. like, this human contact. And there's what I was looking for earlier before our break uh, was, uh, um, she says, uh, she wakes up, she says, maybe I was drugged, maybe what I'm living is this paranoid fantasy. But she says, no. I know where I am and who and what day it is. These are the tests, and I am sane. Sanity is a valuable possession. I hoard it the way people once hoarded money. I save it so I will have enough when the time comes and i feel like that idea of like no i know exactly what this is i know exactly the stakes um and and maybe this is like hell literally um but i know that i'm saying i know these are the facts i'm gonna hoard that information or hoard that whatever like what whatever that small bit like maybe it's sanity that actually gets her power in this case you know or transparency or whatever and and that's what what you hoard in times of when it seems like of upheaval or how do these people get in power um, what you have is your sanity and you hold on to that and you fight for that um, moving forward alright do we have anything else to say before I go into my uh, last segments with uh, no segue. <laughs> All right, here we go. It's time for your Listener Challenge. Uh, welcome to Listener Challenge. I'm um, John Love. With me, as always, some listeners. <laughs> uh, welcome, so on Listener Challenge, we always do a numerically based game that nobody can possibly win, because I always have the right answer. So if you can contradict what I'm about to say, I would love to hear it. Please fax, email, uh, handwritten letter, uh, get a tattoo of it, and Instagram me. It's fine. Whatever you got. Anyways, in this book... Do you want to put a pin in that? Because... Let's put a pin in it. If anyone wants a tattoo from the future of our favorite teammate, Dyson, now's the time to come down and get it. it! Who wants it? Who wants it? Who wants it? Come on down, come on down. <laughs> Woo! What's your name, stranger? Taylor. Hi, Taylor. Uh, you, where would you like this tattoo of our favorite teammate Dyson? The arm's All right, let's. Uh, <laughs> on your face. <laughs> on your face. Oh, yes. oh, <laughs> I don't know how to do this this time. Uh, for those of you who weren't here two weeks ago, John and I tried to tattoo ourselves with the plastic still on, like a couple of <laughs> idiots. <laughs> uh, oh my God, yeah. Okay this one yeah okay and uh, here we go here we go here we go yep this is the bomb and this is everyone's favorite segment the second best very visual bit on a audio format of the week it's the tattoos going on it's being wet yeah uh, you want to do sound effects wipe wipe wipe. <laughs> H2O, H2O, H2O. Yeah. Tattoo transfer. (laughs) What what does that sound like? RIP. 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 Oh, my God. Taylor, can I take a picture of that? That's pretty spectacular. And your third favorite visual bit. Taylor, can I take a picture of that? (laughs) Oh, my face is long. Snap. And that's been Taylor, can I take a picture of that? All right, back to your. All right, let's challenge. take a pin out of it. We're back Beautiful. to your listener challenge, the numerically based game that you can't possibly win. So, Alfred's mother uh, relayed to Alfred when how old she was when Alfred was born. Uh, she was thirty-seven. If you can contradict that, uh, it's on page one twenty. There's proof in the pudding. Which what's what I call every page one twenty of every book, the pudding. The pudding of the book. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, if you can disprove that, please call in, write, uh, fax, get a tattoo. It would be delightful, uh, and you will win a prize package from Karellen's Sweet Tea, the sweetest tea in the galaxy. Sip, and we're back. Uh, and that's been your listener challenge. Uh, also, spay new to your pets and cut two of their legs off. <laughs> what if? Hey, what if? Uh, what if? What if it's a fish? Cut two of their fins off. <laughs> Just kidding. Fish are fine. Actually, uh, add two legs. <laughs> they have no legs as far as I can tell. If you got a snake, add two legs. If you got a spider, cut six legs off. You know how it goes. Get it to two legs. It's fine. I'm a weird future bigot. <laughs> you got any other uh, segments? What do you got? Uh, Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Welcome to everyone's favorite segments. It's rating systems. What, do you, I'm going to put a pin in that. Let's put a pen in it. You normally have an axe to grind, John. Uh, it's time for your axe to grind. Welcome to axe to grind. Uh, I'm going gonna... if... to... Go ahead. Throw it over this Wait, way. This is unprecedented, but I actually have an axe to grind this book. I never do. Oh, oh boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, my axe to grind this week is Brent stealing my segment. Okay. Here we go, Brent. Let's okay. hear it. Okay. Aww. So normally Axe is John just bitching a lot. <laughs> I realize he hasn't done that yet this episode, so I, I apologize. He's says. been a saint this whole time. He's the real hero. Um, on page 225 in the paperback copy, Offred is explaining about falling in love. I'm just going to read you a little audiobook. John, see if this hits you the same way it hit me. Uh, she says, falling in love, I said. Falling into love. We all did it then, one way or another. Uh, It was the central thing. It was the way you understood yourself. Here's the part. If it never happened to you, not ever, you'd be like a mutant. A creature from outer space. Everyone knew that. John, if you're falling in love, we're creatures from outer space. I resent the fact... (laughs) (laughs) See <laughs> so is that a question <laughs> have you ever fallen in love question yep. mark i resent the fact comma no no punctuation necessary i fell in okay. love with a mannequin that did had, had no upper body <laughs> you just have a pair of legs i resent the fact that uh the offer would suggest that creatures from outer space couldn't fall in love i try to do it once every day that's been my <laughs> yeah. Thanks. welcome to brent's love corner <laughs> Uh, fall in love. I'm going to shut up. This is nice. <laughs> love. Uh, fall in yeah, it, you dummy. And that's been Brent's love corner. <laughs> Alright, I'm done. Thanks. Thanks for your extra <laughs> uh, And we're taking a pin out of rating systems. So let's take a look. It's in, in a book. book. Rating, rating systems. systems. Hello, universe. I'm your host, John Love. With me as always, Brent Aldrich, and some people from uh, the the future, people from the past, people from Minnesota. Let's give a hand to all those folks. All right, so let's start to my left and work our way around the table. Brent, what do you rate this book? Okay, I'm going to rate this. We've been here in Minnesota for a month. We've read a different book and recorded podcasts every week. Here's the four books we read. How to Live Safely in a Science Fictional Universe by Charles Yu. Uh, Frankenstein or The Modern Prometheus by Mary Shelley. Woo. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Thank Minnesota you. Woo from the right. audience. Uh, <laughs> uh, we read A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline L'Angle, and we read A Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood. Of those four in order. A Handmaid's Tale comes in at number one. I'm just gonna say, I should have gone backwards so I would have built suspense. I'm sorry. I should have. Number four. I mean, actually, probably A Wrinkle in Time. I read it a long time ago. I read it again recently. It was good. I loved it. But uh, not as much as number three, How to Live Safely in Science, fiction in the Scientific Universe, controls you. It's pretty good. You should read it. Uh, number two, Frankenstein or The Modern Prometheus. Here's the thing. I'd never read that book, but I felt like I had all this knowledge of Frankenstein's monster um, from, like, just popular culture. I read it for the first time. Um, and... Um, I don't know. I'd read it again. That's number two. And yeah, number one, Margaret Atwood's *The Handmaid's Tale*. Number one. Great rating. Well done. Seemed very well thought out. Tiny Dyson. And we've got Tiny Dyson here. What do you rate this book? Oh
5: shit. Oh boy,
0: that's a poor rating from Dyson. Here we go. And our Minnesotan friend, uh, meaning Arizonan friend, Amy. Let's let's hear it. What do you got?
3: Three heapings of anxiety and a dash of hope.
0: Here we go. Great rating. Uh, Blaine, true Minnesotan from a few podcasts ago. Still true Minnesotan. Yes, let's so hear it.
6: So in the theme of not reading the book for the book club, <laughs> I will give this a 10 out of 10 because I actually want to read the book.
0: Here we go. How about the uh, audience rating? It says <laughs> uh, open to everyone. By Minnesota Yell applause. Yell it out. Yeah, yeah great here we go it turns out actually so as we found out several episodes ago minnesotan minnesotan applause yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. is just like silence and nodding your head and they were they were nodding vigorously yeah, yeah, yeah if you sway just like you know a little bit that helps that's getting crazy that's like an 11 out of 10 turn it up to 11 i even
1: saw some minnesotans holding up their arms with fingers like you know, it was big. It was they were like, waving their were hands trees. in the air. They were like trees. It was big. Like they just didn't, care? Like like they just they didn't, didn't care. care. It's like fall all over again. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um, all right, uh, and our friend Ray, what do you rate this book?
1: I'm gonna get four out of six handmaids.
0: Very <laughs> good. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, we don't reduce fractions here on. Um, <laughs> Rating systems. And I mean, every single page of this book yeah, was every, delightful. Every single one. You love them to all. To the last one. Are you
1: kidding me? This was like so depressive.
0: Down to the last down to the last drop. Well It
1: was a good book, but it was not you know a in my stomach, man. This was know? not a good book to I mean, it was a good book to read, but it was not an enjoyable book to read. nothing about the book was enjoyable. It was a struggle book
0: I love this book. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the language itself
1: can you talk a little bit no no do talk a little bit about the difference between this book and the series that we read she was a different author in this book based on the, the series oh.
0: that we read too uh, let's put a pin in that because we're still in rating systems and we Where's can't derail <laughs> the system here <laughs> okay we're getting into it because I was given the <laughs> holographic project explaining sound effect yeah Margaret Atwood in this book was much more poetic Literally Because she was also, she's also a poet And a lot of the language in this one Was harder to follow Because it did have a poetic cadence And Oh boy <laughs> You're asking a lot Alright let's go to page 110 In your uh, Paperback copy Okay this is an audiobook I sit in the chair and think about The word chair It can also mean the leader of a meeting. It can also mean a mode of execution. It's the first syllable in charity. It's the French word for flesh. None of these facts have any connection with with the others. And that was an instance where I loved those connections that she made and the fact that she said there is no connection, I think was disproving her own point as an author. Like the character in the book believed that but her as an author obviously loves uh, double entendres, loves puns, is way into leading you into five separate paths with one phrase and then uh, giving you the context to deal with it later. So I think that this was – there were a lot of kind of fun, interesting, poetic loose ends in a lot of sentences, a lot of paragraphs in this book. Um, that's Yeah, I think it's different from – the mad adam trilogy which was a lot more strictly descriptive of the universe even though she still used a lot of different forms uh and a lot of different ways of representing that world i'll, I'll back you up just slightly i do have these notes to say like margaret Atwood, a genius with with her use of language itself her use of words um i had a few notes i mean but even just for instance i'll say like two i mean so even just like simple things that people say all the time in terms of the english language like we call a thing a waiting room or a master bedroom and just picking apart language. Like what does like waiting room actually mean? What does master bedroom actually mean? So yeah, I think, I think in this one she's pulling apart language in some very interesting gendered ways.
1: Can I add real fast the difference between snowman when he's first talking about language? So in, we read the series and snowman is one of the main characters and he's going through a part, and he's trying to like remember words because he's living in, his, in a world where no longer there's there's people. He's literally the only person. It's a post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world, and language is not being spoken. He's the only human, and so he kind of like tries to come up with old words he's used in the in the past as a way to just like stay more human. And in this situation, I'm thinking about Snowman and that series, and also. Um, our main character here, I'm sorry, I just I can't call her by her name in the series because her name is of Fred, which is the name of right, is it of Fred? The name of the guy that she's living. It's not her real name, so I, I feel weird every time I say that, so I can't ever say of Fred. But the main character in this novel who is destined to play Scrabble with the man that is basically like hosting her, and you know, that's that's her thing, that's her fate. She obviously is a very intelligent woman because the language she used is so far I mean, it exceeds I mean there were some words she used that I didn't even freaking know. I had I would to look not up play Scrabble with this one. Yeah. Woman. I mean she's amazing. <laughs> and almost in an embarrassing way where I read it and I thought, holy crap, I am a stupid human being and I have no idea what she's talking about and I have to look up the words. But I'm thinking of Margaret Atwood is obviously a very
3: intelligent author and those two character roles are well, and the and the guy's very patronizing about it, like She lets him win sometimes, and he's like, oh, you're so smart. And then there's that point where she uses a word he's never heard of from the past, and he's like, oh, I'll let you have it, I believe you. And she tells
1: him, you can look it up. And he says,
3: oh, no, I'll just let you have it. Because he doesn't want to look it up and prove that she's right. Right, and I've had these interactions with people before where I'm like, "No, it's a word.
0: So, John, what's your rating? Uh, Before we get into that, the pin's still in it. On page 192 to continue this conversation, because I think it's great. Uh, audiobook. I'll take care of it, Luke said, and because he said it instead of her, yeah. I knew he meant kill. That is what you have to do before you kill, I thought. You have to create an it where none was before. You do that first in your head and then you make it real. So that's how they do it, I thought. It's, I seemed never to have known that before, where it was just a language trick that essentially transformed a subject into an object. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I mean, I think Margaret Atwood is always talking about how language is crucially important to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The Well, no, none of the women in this book, after that sort of one event, are allowed to read at all. Mm-hmm. All the signs are turned into strictly symbols because mm-hmm. they, they're not supposed to read anything. Um, so, yeah, that, yeah, I think that fits into the whole narrative. About,
1: that's really important. We didn't talk about that before. Scrabble is actually this really big deal because women no longer can read or write. So even when they're going to the grocery store, all the store's signs have literally been turned into pictures so that women have no ability to read or write. And the character in the series, when she's playing Scrabble with her commander, there's so many words, and again, words that I've never heard or used before in everyday life, because I'm a dummy, obviously. But that she knows and remembers from five, ten years previously, um, and it's incredible, and it's empowering, and it also makes you feel stupid as a reader sometimes. But that is really important. I didn't mention that before. If you talk about Scrabble and nobody realizes that that power had been taken away, then mm-hmm. kind of loses Correct. its
0: yeah, the power of the word no, yeah. absolutely, yeah. or the power to name, or the power to yeah. So I'm gonna rate Scrabble a triple word score mm-hmm. out of one. <laughs> uh, one is the maximum point for like a vowel, I guess. Mm. Uh, and I'm gonna rate this book 2.1 legs out of two legs, Ooh, and that's how we play rating that. systems. Take, Take a, a look; <laughs> it's in a book. book. Rating right. systems. Yes, I yeah, we did it. Pretty good. That's pretty good. And uh, let's see here. Wait a minute. I think we're getting a transmission. Wrap. No, we're getting a transmission. Fred, Fred? john john Fred. steve steve uh, can you boys can you boys hear me Fred, john steve is that you uh, steve you can
5: hear this uh you should be set up to get back i've got the whole patch in the ship i got the wires patched up for the space-time continuum
7: module Steve, be good to go uh I've loaded up some of them frogs you boys
0: left the frogs uh, send, this is Steve. Send if you He's want to in the future. Sorry, engineer.
4: Bodies through that, through that mess. Uh,
5: just uh, hit the big red button on okay. the control panel okay. if you're mobile out of the out of the pod. Okay. Just hit the escape on your computer. Yeah. That should should send you right right through. He sent him uh, through. He sent him Runs through. through? You did, just reverse the channel and, and send you boys through. Okay. I'll see you soon. Steve.
0: You soon. Steve, she's uh, so sending frogs uh, uh, uh,
5: through?
4: Uh, <laughs> uh, oh,
0: Steve, uh, they're working, it's working, it's uh, working. There's frogs everywhere. she was abound! Everywhere. Chi was abound. Steve. Right, well, I guess he has to make it home, <laughs> home. alright? We're going to make it home. I guess he's opened a time portal back to the future. So, with that, I have to say thank you beyond measure to everyone here tonight. Thank you to Ray and Dyson to make it through the time portal. Thank you, Amy, for being on this episode the whole time. Thank you to the audience. Thank you to Bone Shaker Books, the coolest independent bookstore <laughs> in Twin <27th> Cities <laughs> in the universe! We have one more thing that we are technically, a, we are obliged to do by our, our sponsor, Carell and Sweet Tea, and that's a little thing called Wrapping It Out. So uh, if everybody's ready for this, we uh we have to freestyle wrap this out. If you fancy yourself a freestyle yeah, rapper, yeah, yeah. come on up. To the front. To the front. To the front. Yep. Okay. 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 Uh-huh. Just a second. Yep. 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 Uh-huh. Yep. 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 Okay. I feel like I'm just going to bridge here in a second. I don't want to mess it up, you know? Okay, yo, future's female, the future's foreign, bring them in and get them to warm and by your fireplace, your, your cities and streets, give them hot cocoa, give them some meats. And, unless they're vegetarians, then ask a librarian for good meat substitutes, like seitan or loot fisk. That's a fish, it'll work for some, but not others. Just ask them, just ask them. It's not hard. Just ask them. Okay. 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 Yo. Yo. Wait. 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 There's a new day dawning in your U.S. of A. Yo. New day dawning. It starts here today. It starts here in Minnesota. Bone Shaker Books. That's where it starts with your big old Minnesota hearts. I'm done. <laughs> yo, Blaine. What's up?
6: I know this is supposed to be a freestyle rap, but if I didn't write it down, it'd sound like crap. Yeah! Hands-made Woo. tail seems totally legit. I have to fight for my rights and never quit. Yep, yep. Glad this podcast has an open mind. Good days will be ahead for those who fight for our rights. Woo! Hope everyone likes some soda, beer. <laughs> May this time <laughs> very well here. Woo. We're The future has left us with a good time, so much so that I get to rhyme. Woo! Woo! Woo!
0: Woo! Woo!
6: Go! Go!
0: Yep. Yep. Go! Yep. Happy that we're all here today. I'm happy that I can come and play. I feel like I mess up a big time. I can't even rhyme. rhyme. (laughs) Rhyme and time with rhyme classic us uh future us is better uh future earth is not wetter sorry it uh it's a bummer it all dries up and becomes a desert planet so no spoilers, though. look for sandworms no spoilers uh dune is about earth <laughs> sorry uh it's been fun uh Birth is the thing I wanted to rhyme with, but that doesn't make any sense. See you guys, it's been fun. Oh my god, thank you for coming. (laughs) Thank you everyone, this is amazing. You've made us better, you've made us better. It's good. (laughs) You're dismissed. Did anyone talk about this book off (laughs) live? (laughs) Yeah, I still have more things to talk
3: about. I wrote a whole
0: list. Oh my god. Still recording! <laughs> I've, never, never. I've been waiting for you to come
6: back
0: Do you like the song about Did Minneapolis?
6: Minneapolis uh, you
0: know. Oh, yeah. It. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You
6: nailed it.
2: I
4: mean, I'm worried that you'd
6: be Yes. And what does
4: it mean? Yeah, you nailed it. The buildings <laughs>
0: Dead leaves the best fit to it. They yeah. it. Like there's no time space. Of yeah, six hours. Yeah. It's it's fun. Fun. Then skin I like, is you know, splinter. You know, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Never, never dogging. Yeah. to yeah. yeah. I mean, I have I've
4: been wasting and brain since you left.
0: you are the
6: Wu-Tang. Dan? I like that, but you're
4: better. We're
0: like, we're
6: like, oh my god. I figured I had to go to
0: the last one oh. to do that. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Yeah.